happy Halloween season and welcome to the Rocky Horror Picture Show Movie Club featuring Cherry Torn, Sophie Monroe, and Dozer Torn. We were about to tape a different movie club, but then, during a discussion about various favorite films, formative films, etc., we discovered that Dozer hadn't seen Rocky Horror Picture Show. Actually, he hadn't even heard of it. Yes, folks, unicorns walk among us. They hide in plain sight, and sometimes, once in a while, if you're lucky, you can spot one. We put everything else on hold, before anything could be ruined for him. We watched the film, and then shortly after that recorded this episode that you're about to hear. And I say about to hear because I gotta tell you about patreon.com slash Craig and Friends. This episode was previously only available to the Patreon faithful. Now, why don't you go over there and see which reward tier works best for you. Now, whatever one you pick, you're going to get advanced, uncut, and commercial-free editions of the regular episodes, plus extended versions of some of the upcoming movie clubs, extended versions of some other things, and lots of treats and uh, tricks that will be announced very soon. One of the tiers, in particular, has the option for you to participate in the movie club tapings before they tape. In the form of listener questions and comments, you're going to hear a bunch of those later in the episode. So go over there, sign up, and set yourself free. Now, after you've liberated yourself, uh, go on over to youtube.com slash Craig and Friends. Hit subscribe, or as I say sometimes, smash that subscribe button. You can probably just click it. That will do the same thing. So subscribe and get ready for the flood of video episodes because going forward, all the shows are being filmed and there's a healthy, healthy stock in the cupboard of film shows that have not yet been released to you. So with all of that taken care of, now let's get into the Rocky Horror Picture Show Movie Club. So, Hunt for Red October, that's a film you've seen Tim Curry in, right? I mean, ages ago. Home Alone 2. I did see Home Alone 2, yes. That's uh, probably the most familiar one I am about with. About 1,700 times. <laughs> well, because he's so good in it. Since we uh, rolled right into things, I think we should start with a touch of the title song, or the intro song. So, what did you think when you first saw the lips coming up on the screen, and this song rolling out? Uh, that it was going to be a weird movie. Yep. Uh, these bitches done rolled me in something questionable. <laughs> what in earth is this? They have yeah. tricked me into a musical right now. <laughs> 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 Do you like musicals normally? Uh, tell the truth. Tell the truth. Um, <laughs> you can tell the truth. Hunter yeah. Club does not. So reveal. I was forced to watch a lot of musicals as a kid. Oh, interesting. My family uh -huh. was adamant that plays were not acceptable enough to go witness that you had to go watch a musical so i was forced to sit through a lot of musicals as a kid that's an interesting policy is it like a value for money thing like they are going to do a lot of stuff more stuff than just like sort of no. sit at a table no, no? It okay was, it was you tinkins no. tinkins so i'm going to let you have your voice here but then you know you're going to have to cool it because you've seen the movie many times it, it was all about uh my family was all about like you gotta you gotta do music so Oh, just, I see. They, okay. Know, so they were very music oriented. They wanted you to be. Gotcha. They weren't, gotcha. but they wanted you to yeah. be. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's classic. So you see the lips come up on the screen mm -hmm. and now you know, did you know it was a musical beforehand? Nope. So let's just clarify. You knew basically nothing about the film. I knew nothing. And you're a film fan. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the depth and breadth of, of your movie collection is, is vast and your interests are quite wide. 
So I was thrilled to discover that you hadn't uh, seen it or heard about it before, particularly because there is such a cult following Yes. What are some other cult movies you can think of that have uh, not a similar following because there's really nothing quite like the Rocky Horror following? Yeah. Well, we were talking about Tommy earlier today. Yes. That's a, I mean, that's a bit of a weird one, but... It's not a musical, but we just watched Cry Maybe the other day, and I was, I was 10 minutes in, I was like, ooh, we're pushing it. Oh, I hope he's feeling <laughs> open-minded today. We're breaking into song a lot in here. <laughs> uh -huh. I, I was down with Cry Baby. That was a, it was a really good movie. Well, what were the musicals that you you saw oh. as a kid? What, like Oklahoma, that Green. kind of? Like, no, no, no. The the one that sticks out is just poison in my mind. It's like Little Abner. Oh, my God. There was a musical Little Abner? Oh. I didn't know that. Wow. Well, listen, my sympathies on that one. It's all right. Oh, that, dear. <laughs> not all cartoons can be made into a fabulous musical. Uh -huh. You have an Annie, and then you have a Little Abner. So my family was adamant about going to this theater called the Wagon Wheel Theater, where it was a circular stage in the middle wow, okay and they would make the children sit along the aisle because the the musical performers would would perform you know to enter stage they would come down the aisle and oh, like oh yeah okay it was just very embarrassing to be nine years old and in, sort of involved in yes, the show very much so yeah i can't imagine performing in a musical that's in a in the round yeah. like that at the time i don't think i really gave it much thought of how cool that probably is but I think nowadays I'd be interested to yeah. do that again. Because it's definitely unique to my mind. I mean, because mm -hmm. usually with musicals, all plays are kind of intense with the production and everything, but a musical has got another layer of difficulty. It does. Yeah. Totally. What were your first thoughts five minutes into the film? That it was an old film. Mm -hmm. uh, I, again, I knew nothing about it, so I didn't even know what year it came out. I was concerned that I was missing context in the introduction about the introduction of characters and people and who they played because it would be like you know this person as oh yes okay um so right at the end of that i was like oh god i hope i'm prepared for what's about to follow from here because i don't think any of that stuck okay because when it moment. said like richard o'brien is riffraff etc yeah like, so you were, your concern was that there i was... didn't know any of these people so i wouldn't recognize sure. who they're playing okay right right Right, because that's a rare kind of thing to have in the intro titles. Usually, you just have yeah, it's like, names oh, of people. Yeah, and like it seemed like it was they were selling it as if you know this person, well, they're playing this. Oh, right, right. right. Um, but no, I, I don't know. It was just a really weird, artful movie. I thought. Now, everyone else in the room has a quite different history with that. We're going to get back to your thoughts, you know, on your first time viewing. Sophie, what was your relationship with Rocky Horror and where did it begin? Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a little opposite than Dozer. I discovered the Rocky Horror Picture Show, I believe, in like the eighth grade, seventh mm -hmm. or eighth grade. And um, I started performing in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which I did on and off for about six years. Oh, wow. <laughs> in a few Bay Area casts here. Yeah. Um, so I, my relationship with, with Rocky is, is I, have a, I have a deep love and personal fondness with many memories of youth that are attached to this, sure. this film. Yeah. And the first time you saw it, do you remember what you felt or what jumped out at you? Oh yeah, I saw it at my, at my friend's, well my friend, it was one of, it was a girl I was kissing before I realized <laughs> that's that a good I, kind of friend yeah that I was into women uh, we watched it at her house in her bedroom oh good and spot good location great great making out zone yeah it's lovely and uh, I I thought these are my people is what I thought I thought yeah. well this is that looks like a lovely time mm -hmm. you know I want to go there how do I get abducted <laughs> and Cherry what about you the first time you saw it 
God. Okay, so I guess it would have been in the 90s, similar sort of time, that lovely puberty zone where you're <laughs> good in those formative years. Um, I've always been kind of obsessed with stories like that where it's like, you know, taking the good girl and making her bad. Imagine that. <laughs> um, and also Tim Curry. Like, I've just always been obsessed with him, and I think he... Uh, he, because, you know, he wiggles his way into your mind, <laughs> especially yes, he, at that he, age. Yeah, he certainly does. <laughs> you know? Very indelible mark that he leaves. Yeah. Now, is that the first time you remember sort of noticing Tim Curry, or did you already see him in other things? You know, I'd probably seen, like... Clue? What? Or... Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely Clue. I fucking love Clue. I think he's amazing in that movie. I'm sure Home Alone 2 had probably come around to my psyche yeah. in South Carolina before I really discovered Rocky Horror, but... um. I don't know. I've always been drawn to movies like that that kind of expose any alternative culture because there's just absolutely not. There ain't no drag club (laughs) where I come from. Yeah. And it's funny how pre-internet, especially to think about what films people would gravitate to or how you could actually get access to them and how you would hear about them. My first experience with Rocky Horror was actually not with the film, but with the audience participation album. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had read about Rocky Horror a little bit in Rolling Stone. I had a subscription to that, what, what around like third grade or something like that. So you'd see little bits here and there and it just seemed kind of exotic and like, ooh, what's that? And like you said, this is for me. Like you could mm-hmm. tell by even the font mm-hmm. or, you know, just the still image of Tim Curry. And I'd seen Clue and loved it. Maybe Clue came out after that. Anyway, um, I was at camp and I already had the Meatloaf Bad of the Hell album. And for some reason, I thought that they were of the same thing. Now, Meatloaf is in it, but there's a song on the Meatloaf album which has an intro that kind of sounds like a Rocky Horror thing. Let me pull that up. Sophie, while he's pulling that up, I have a question for you. Yeah. How did you, was it a VHS tape? Oh, yeah, it sure was. And I listened to the vinyl as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, the VHS wasn't available for a good long time until I think the 15th anniversary of the film. Yeah. And they, for a while, weren't going to put it out on VHS because the midnight screening. So mm-hmm. it's funny thinking about because these things that we just take for granted because we know it so well, right? Know the mm-hmm. whole, and everyone, uh, most people listening, I won't say everyone, uh, the cult around it. So do you know about the midnight screenings? No. Okay, because I didn't know if maybe since we watched it, there was some discussion. So the movie came out in 75. Let me just double check that because uh, it'd be funny if I got the date I'm pretty sure it is 75. So 75 and it bombed. So there was a marketing person at Fox who thought, let's put this in every campus area, midnight screenings every weekend. And at first there wasn't a lot of people going, but there'd be like the same 50 people every time. Right. And then in New York, it started to grow and grow at the Waverly Theater. And then Sal Piero, who's the president of the Rocky Horror Fan Club, started to organize shadow casts, they call hmm. it. People started to talk back to the screen. Ah. Yeah. So um, we were talking about the audience participation album. What they did is they went to a screening, recorded the screening, and then put it out as an album. Hmm. So let's play a little of that. Oh, this is going to be good. Hmm. This is a good time. It and was so hard to not do this the entire time we were watching that movie. I want you to know. That's right. So, uh, I'd almost bust out the ball gags. <laughs> <laughs> Respect movie club rules. Dozer is uh, very similar to me in the way that he likes to consume a film, mm-hmm. particularly the first time. Yeah. Let's watch the movie, mm-hmm. listen to the movie. Right. 
<laughs> I, I need to I need to consume the movie, and if I'm yep, I'm not good at multitasking. We respected it, but I'm just saying, yelling back at that screen was not excuse me, not yelling back at that screen was quite difficult. Yeah, and again, even talking about it, I find myself going, "Oh, wait, yeah, we yeah, have yeah. to explain it back to this part because we had all that. All of us had that feeling of like we want to sing, we want to talk back, but oh my god, wait, someone here hasn't seen it, and yeah. like, how do we do that? How do we do that? Like, as I'm struggling with it right now, as you're listening, we to have it. patience. <laughs> I thought it was page patience. Patience. We'll get back to the meatloaf in a second. Meatloaf can rest. It's always better later on. Okay. <laughs> Who is meatloaf? Oh, this this is fabulous. This is this another is thing that we line. can talk. <laughs> Fine. I need help though. I, I can't take this on alone. <laughs> We're all here together in Hot Dog Club. Um, Craig is a great friend for all of these questions. Why, thank you very much. I love to talk about things that I know about, which is uh, fun. Most and I love things. to learn. Oh, that's very sweet. And this actually, this intro bit will give you a sense of a few of the terms that are used for people who haven't seen Rocky Horror before. Excellent. Ooh. Give me an R! R! Give me an O! o! Give me a C! C! Give me a K! K! Give me a Y! R! What's it spell? Rocky! I can't hear you! Rocky! One more time! Rocky! Oh. Taking me back. So, your cherry was popped. Yes. yes. Sort of. I don't know. We didn't make him do anything. <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. So explain that because uh, we should, you know, get into all the little yeah. nooks and crannies of what it means to go to an audience participant, well, to go to a screening. I loved this part. This was always fun at the beginning of the show when we go, which we're going now. We're going. We're all going to go as a big family. And which would be fun. I haven't been in forever. If yeah. you will let us, we're going to have to tell everyone that you're actually a virgin because you've not been to the show yet. So they're going to make you get up. They're going to make you go to the front. Okay. And depending on who's running the show that night, mm -hmm. you'll get to do something very silly. Great. Probably something a little bit naughty. I'd love to embarrass myself. I know you do. It's made this whole thing is made just for you. Excellent. You have to do a little task. It's like a little truth or dare type of thing. Oh. So if you don't get an option of truth or dare, they just, mm, they just lay yeah. it on you. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, sometimes they do just lay right on you. Yeah. Hopefully. Can, yeah, hopefully. Ideally, hopefully that can what, happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I always get singled out in those moments. Well, they ask. No, no. But yeah. I'm just saying, I've yeah. historically, I've always been the, we need audience participants, but you. You're going to oh, feel okay. great mm -hmm. then. You're going to love this mm -hmm. part. Great. I'm prepared. It might send you back a little, though, to the theater in the round thing. Where, no, you know, I'm, the, I'm an adult now. I'm all right. That's a different thing. Yeah, okay. My <laughs> grandfather won't be sitting next to me. I'll be, I'll be good. Okay. All right. Cool. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And then there's props that people bring mm -hmm. to the screenings as well. What, what, uh, some of them, is there was toast? To toast, toilet paper. Some theaters let you throw rice. You brought party poppers and twirlers, obviously, because when you're time warping, you want to be able to. Exactly. Wait, you said toast? Toast. Like bread toasted? Like bread. Yeah. For eating or for not? throwing, usually. Now, when do they throw the toast? When do they throw the toast? I, I think I'm, it's a toast to absent I think, friends. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's when they toast. So yeah. nobody's eating the toast. 
Well, someone might. I mean, you you could if you wanted to. But uh, I love toast, so that just seems interesting. Artisanal toast. Hopefully, no. artisanal. Do you know we're in the Bay Area? There yeah, might be artisanal, artisanal toast. toast. <laughs> yeah. He loves the basic toast. Yeah, I no, it's usually the. Toast. It's usually like you know Wonder Bread. That's great. Yeah. Although some That's theaters, great. depending on which theater you're in, won't let you throw anything at all. That sounds boring. It is. <laughs> it is 2019. Everything's a little more less, you know. Yeah. yeah. A little less. <laughs> Just a little less. Just a yeah. little less. A little less and yet a little more. Yeah. <laughs> How'd we get here, Cost y'all? Definitely more. <laughs> <laughs> the whole um, audience participation thing in the screenings was then shown in, in Fame. There's a whole like four minute scene in Fame. Uh, have you seen Fame? No. What is that? Fame's a movie from 1980 about a performing arts school in New York that was later mm. developed into a TV show that ran for like five years. And uh, it's directed by Alan Parker, who made Bugsy Malone and mm-hmm. The Wall, Mississippi Burning. A lot of singing. A lot of singing. Mm-hmm. A lot of singing. Well, you know, they're theater kids okay. and they're going to be sure. theatering. Uh, so um, <laughs> it's really the barrier to watching a lot of these things. And like the yeah, singing? It's this for him. Yeah. Uh, sure. Of, so Glee, not happening. Yeah. Glee's probably not happening for me, but Glee did do a Rocky Horror episode and um, I listened to an interview with Richard O'Brien where he talked about them contacting him about it he was like that's great but you can't do the Rocky Horror Picture Show you can do the Rocky Horror Show so of course Richard O'Brien who wrote everything for Rocky Horror he wrote the script and the songs he doesn't really see much money from the movie Mm. Uh, after we watched the movie you brought up how much money the movie has made over the years yes phenomenal amount uh, yeah, the rate of return was incredible. Right, because the original budget was $1.4 million, mm-hmm. <laughs> And it's been screening somewhere, sometimes All over everywhere. the world. For yeah. 140. And that's like the reported yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah that, that's like the, just the box office tape, right? <laughs> right, exactly. So a little bit more from uh, Sal Piero's introduction on the audience participation. I want you to hear a little bit of what the opening song sounds like at a screening. Someone is always dance stripping to this, by the way, the opening song. Oh. Yeah. So the, yeah, there's a cast in front of the screen. Interesting. <laughs> is this like the prayer? Yeah, and very much so, yeah. There's a very ritualistic aspect to it. Excellent. The day the earth stood still, but he told us where we stand. Oh, Maurice! And Flash Gordon was there in silver. Now this makes sense. I heard you saying the prayer to the music. Yeah, I did a lot of stripping to this. (laughs) Some people like to say Fay Ray fucking Kong. This is developed over the years. They came on Where? Jim's face. Thank you. This is how the message Yeah, I thought you were just ad-libbing these yesterday. Fighting and fucking and sucking on. That's why it was funny uh, with the confusion with that, too. Yes. 
We'll get back to some more of that. So when I first uh, had access to anything with this, it was just a cassette. Mm -hmm. It's recorded off someone's album. And uh, I didn't quite know what was going on. It, it sounded interesting. On a hot summer night, would you offer your throat to the wolf with the red roses? Will he offer me his mouth? Yes. Will he offer me his teeth? Yes. Will he offer me his jaws? Yes. Will he offer me his hunger? Yes. Again? Will he offer me his hunger? Yes. And will he starve without me? Yes. Then does he love me? Yes. Yes. On a hot summer night, would you offer your throat to the wolf with the red roses? Yes. I bet you say that to all the boys. Okay, so that's from Meat Love's Bad Out of Hell album. It was this, this weird introduction to uh, Hot Summer Night. And of course, Meat Love plays Eddie yes. in the film. And in the original stage production of the Rocky Horror Show, Eddie and Dr. Scott are played by the same actor. Yes. Really? Yeah, and um, I think because there's no scenes that they have together, and they wanted to get across the idea that he looks like him, so you kind of have a sense that right. that's... Uh, it's his father. Exactly. Also, a good, cheap uh, way to get one actor to do two things. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I had this strange idea that there was some kind of interrelation between it before even knowing that Meatloaf was in... Uh, the movie because of that bit on the record which I've been listening to since I was a little kid so to explain who Meatloaf is yes. Meatloaf is a, a theatrical rock performer uh, his stuff is kind of like at least his initial record this Bad Out of Hell record it's kind of like a parody of Bruce Springsteen very grand very operatic it's rock opera essentially and it was all written by this guy named Jim Steinman Jim Steinman mm -hmm. was a composer who wrote uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart you know that song no okay this is oh, this is fascinating oh, and I'm loving this oh, so much. So okay. dance to that. We just had to correct a technical issue, but in the meantime, that actually allowed us to discover something, that the <laughs> Torns are both virgins, which That's no right. one would have thought. I right? know, never. never. <laughs> no, yeah, no, I am from the backwoods of the nowhere. We don't really do that well, at the then. time where most people discovered and did that. Two chairs to pop, I get two for one. That's exciting. <laughs> Very exciting. I Very love exciting. a good two for one. <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> So a little bit more about Meatloaf. Uh, he's been in a lot of films. He was in Fight Club, 
You saw Fight Club? I did. Fight okay, Club. so he is the guy with the bitch tits. As they, uh, what's really? his name? Uh, they say his name. Uh, so I feel like I should say his name, but I can't remember his name. Yeah. Um, Robert Paulson. He uh, plays Robert Paulson. Interesting. Yes. And he is in uh, a bunch of stuff. He's in Spice World. Mm -hmm. He plays the Spice Girls bus driver. That's true. Love that movie. Isn't that a great movie? That, that has tons of cameos. <laughs> you guys, I must have saw that in the theater no less than 10 times. Oh, that's amazing. That I love that. That was just a time where that's just where I lived. We might, maybe we'll do Spice World at some time. I know that lots of uh, people <laughs> oh, involved are yes. quite uh, in, in yeah. the show are quite fond of that one. Yeah. And Richard O'Brien is in that, actually. Riff Raff from oh, this really? film. Yes, he is. He's the man that pops up in the toilet. Oh, my oh God. My God. <laughs> we should do... That's him. That we is should him. do a Spice World, Josie and the Pussycats, like, double feature. Are you a fan of that film, Josie and the Pussycats? Yes, I just watched it the other day, honestly, and it totally tickled me. Did you know that they did a screening in L.A. where they had the full cast come, and, like, they, I think they did a bunch of the songs or something? Yes. Yeah, it I was... was fun. Yeah, I was impressed with was that. Was Richard O'Brien in Star Wars? He was not, but he is in Flash Gordon. Yeah. So Meatloaf, actor in a bunch of stuff, and his album, Bad Out of Hell, him and Jim Steinman tried to sell it to all these different companies. They were turned down by every single major record company. Todd Rundgren, at an audition that they did for him, was like, no, oh, this is funny. It's like you're goofing on Bruce Springsteen. I, I get this. So he bankrolled the entire album, got most of Bruce Springsteen's band to play on it, they found a guy who would put it out and it became one of the biggest selling albums of all time. Hmm. And also the subject of a massive fraud case because CBS International tried to pretend that it didn't sell well. So for years, what? oh, it's crazy. Yeah. Oh my I mean, God. like how many copies did it sell? Tens and tens of millions of, of wow. copies around the world. I had the audience participation album and I would listen to that and was kind of fascinated with it, especially because it sounded kind of like mysterious. There's a crowd yeah. here and where is this? Oh, it's, mm -hmm. and it's a lot of people, but you have no information. You have a blank cassette with that. Eventually I was able to go to a screening in Harvard Square uh. and it was definitely when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. So for years it ran in Harvard Square and back then it was a very friendly audience. The last time I saw Rocky in the theater was at uh, the Harvard Square Theater. It might be, it was a long time ago, at least 15, 20 years ago. And the cast had a bad attitude. Aww. There's sort of a sort of uh, underbelly, I think, of the Rocky shadow cast that I think can be, it's a strange thing, but they can be a little unwelcoming sometimes, or at least this one was. Interesting. So I'm standing in line, and so usually they'll patrol the line asking who's a virgin, or any virgins here. And then one of the cast members came up and was like, oh, you're probably totally a virgin, right? You've, there's no way you've seen the movie. <laughs> and they said it in such a rude way that I said, okay, that's interesting. So tell me, what's shock treatment? And you know, shock treatment is the sort of sequel to the movie. It's not mm. a direct sequel, but it's a, very related to it, written by Richard O'Brien, et cetera, and follows the travails of Pratt and Janet after mm -hmm. the, the end of this film, sort of. And uh, he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, okay, so why don't you go over to your friend there and ask them about that, and you have a good day. So anyone listening who's familiar, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> so um, what roles in the Shadow Cast did you play? I played Magenta, I played uh, Janet, and I played Frank. Which did you do first? Magenta, Uh huh. yeah, actually when Magenta, Janet, Frank. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's a logical progression, actually. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And I'd also did the little. I was a little striptease lady at the beginning, oh, and that sure. was actually my very first role. I got up there and did. I will, in fact, find this photo of my very first. <laughs> I'm wearing these like 
plastic leopard print pants and I'm matching with who with my girlfriend at the time. We've got little kitty masks. I have yeah. I have them. I'll find those photos for, oh, fabulous. for the hot tub club of my early rocky days. Cause How old were you at that they're point? They're pretty funny. Um, like, and that, you don't have to give me a specific age, but is that like early <laughs> yeah, 20s? Yeah, no, 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 that was teens. Yeah, I was teens. So you were performing in this as a teenager? Yep. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be the first time uh, a lot of people performed in their lives because of this movie, right? Yeah, I was a theater kid. And so yeah. for me, it was just obvious. Like it was late night theater. Um, I was very lucky. My dad was super supportive of it because uh -huh. he thought it was great himself. He just thought oh, it was great. a really fun thing to support. So he'd even, even when, I, when I was really young, he'd he'd go drop me off and pick me up. Oh, yeah. that's really cool. Yeah, it was very sweet. I think I went uh, with older friends. Of course, the first time I saw it was in the theater. I didn't see it on tape. And I was so into it. And I would always be like, you got to come see this. It's great. It's great. And And also got the soundtrack album. And that's the main thing for me because i think the music is so good what did you think of the music i thought the music was great what i liked about it was after being subjected to lots and lots and lots of musicals i think the thing that i found so interesting about it was it was completely opposite material that everything like like my family would not let you watch tv you know the tv's going to rot your mind all the, like mm -hmm. like but the musical that is that will wow. that will educate you and, and and expand your mind, right? And I could just sit there and think, man, if they saw this, they would be absolutely appalled. <laughs> but at the same time, it's phenomenally good writing and good music and like really well done. Yeah, yeah, everything about the songs is great. Completely. Interestingly, a lot of people like to say that the movie is not a good movie on its own. Mm -hmm. But you said, yeah, that, I thought it was a great movie on its own. Yeah. I have to agree with you. I think the movie is spectacular. I think it's great. I love the story. I love, yeah. uh, you know, all the weird little twists and turns of the actual tale. I think the music adds a lot, obviously. Oh, absolutely. But I, I don't I think the story on its own is is fascinating. And the sets are amazing, right? Cherry, what did you think oh, of yeah. the... Uh... Oh, yeah. The sets are absolutely amazing. I always love the trope of the, like, creepy house with the mm -hmm. creepy residents mm -hmm. inside. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a thing, obviously, yeah. as a group of people. And that elevator, oh my God, oh. I always perv out on a good oh. old style birdcage elevator, especially San Francisco's full of them. So oh, are they? Always, oh, yeah. Or is it? Yeah. Uh, they, I shouldn't refer to San Francisco as they a are, they. They yeah. are, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They are. You probably should actually, refer right. to San Francisco right. as a they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the they same. definitely are. I just get worried I'm going to get pinched. <laughs> <laughs> in the theater? No, no, in the in a birdcage elevator. Oh. Like, yeah. Stand in the yeah. middle. I don't want to touch anything. No, it's a little it's dangerous. Yeah, definitely. you can. You kind of want to stand in the middle and just hurriedly mm -hmm. throw the thing to the side. Right. Yeah. Get yeah. In. And just get that in. ominous ascent, you know, up to the laboratory. <laughs> it's just uh, I love that. And then you get there, and it's like a completely different aesthetic, which I think is really mm -hmm. cool. Interesting. You know, I grew up watching the Star Wars movies. I loved the Star Wars movies yeah. as a kid, and. Uh, as I, you know, I wasn't a theater kid like you, but I was a adjacent special effects nerd. Yeah, because sure. That was kind of taking off when I was a kid of like, oh, kids doing home movies with a lightsaber. And <laughs> yeah. how I use, you know, After Effects was just becoming available in a more consumer context than, than previously. So I learned a lot about like the George Lucas days of how they went and did that. And so I have a really like I love to watch a movie like Rocker. Or like Rocky Horror. I love the movie Rocker as well. I don't I, know what that movie I, is. Well, no, no. Well, that's the next movie. Club. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Rocker, what? it's the tale of a man who 
at a later age than other people sees the Rocky Horror Picture Show. To see a movie that had that much detail put in, <laughs> like the sets, the people, the costumes, mm-hmm. everything had to be done by hand. And nobody yeah. had the internet. Nobody could Google, like, what do we dress a transvestite transsexual in? Yeah. Like, yeah. That, that had to be known. And, and that's what is fascinating to me about the movie. Yeah, the art direction is spectacular. It really is. And mm-hmm. the makeup for Frank was done by Pierre LaRoche, yeah. who did loads of stuff with Bowie. Of course, that's, a, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. And the original stage show in England took off almost immediately. So it started as a show in a 62-seat theater. Hmm. Uh, there's a lot of parallels between this and Hedwig, really, because mm-hmm. the show was like a hot ticket almost immediately, and then everyone was coming to see it. Mick Jagger apparently expressed interest in playing the film version of Frankenfurter. Frank. But in a really rare situation, they kept all of the original cast except for Brad and Janet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brad and Janet, they, they said, has to be uh, an American couple. And Steve Martin tried out for mm. Brad. Oh my God, could you imagine? I know. Wouldn't that, that would be have wild? been amazing. Barry Boswick, who plays Brad. Did a great job. An incredible job. And here's a little clip from his appearance at a Peaches Christ screening. Of Rocky Horror. And look how he's dressed. He showed up and donned the uh, full red fishnets and uh oh, and it's boa. at the Castro Theater. Indeed. Oh, Castro Theater, where we just saw our pal, Katja Samalajakova. And do you, do you feel like you know what that thing is that this movie has that connects with people in such a way that, that really no other movies do? I think... I think it's you guys. I mean, it's you guys who find and found and love this movie, and um, uh, and you saw something in each one of our characters, as wild and as commedia dell'arte as they were, you know. Um, and uh, what? Okay. Sexuality. Yeah, it was subversive. It was sexu- sexual. Sexual. Yeah, it was subversive. And drag. Yeah. And. Um, but really not that, it was not that uh, subversive, was it? I mean, well, it was, I mean, if you were in Des Moines, yeah. Right, and I think, actually, I think that's a really good point. I think for people like me, the abnormal youth of America, uh, I would say that Rocky Horror saves lives. was my It Gets Better video. So let's get into that a little bit. Definitely, this movie is the first time a lot of people saw the other or any kind of queerness. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Even as being someone who is from California, I'm old enough that (laughs) finding these (laughs) communities... Not as old as me. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm just catching up, catching up. And also just proof that, you know, you leave that city center. Absolutely. It gets decidedly less progressive. For sure. (laughs) Especially at that sort of year, you know, you had to come to that Mm -hmm. epicenter of the dirty. Yeah. There's a lot of kinky queer alternative people at these shows and so if you were an other it certainly was a hub where you could go and be surrounded by others that all were celebrating this sort of bizarre (laughs) kinky weird art 
queer art film. Yeah, exactly. And even if they didn't know how, what it was specifically, there was something about it. And here's a little clip of Richard O'Brien talking about how he felt as a youth. What were you like as a child? I mean, were you funny and different and odd and peculiar or did this happen later? Um, I think I was probably always withdrawn. I think I went inside my head about age six. I think I realized that I couldn't actually um, speak out about who I was and what I was when I was six. It's a bit like knowing you're gay and not being able to tell anybody, really. It's, it's, it's awful, especially when you hit adolescence, puberty especially. And especially if you're living in a, in a house where you know dad is, is actually vehemently opposed to, um, you know, that kind of stuff, a homophobe himself. And you find yourself in that situation. I wasn't luckily in that situation, but I was, I was hiding the, away the, uh, the transgendered nature of myself because I knew I was on a hiding to nothing should I, you know, open my mouth about it. And there was you know, nobody going to be un- able to understand it. Why should they? So you go a bit mad, actually, is what happens. You go inside your head and you go, and you live most of your life inside your head. You know when they used to say to, about people, he's not really all there. He's nice, but he's not really all there. That was me. <laughs> I think it's really interesting, right? Because Because so Richard O'Brien later came out as transgender mm-hmm. and something that he struggled with because he grew up in New Zealand and no one really knew anything about that. And he didn't yeah. even, even in the 70s, still wasn't really talked about that much. Yeah. So that informs so much of the show. There's a lot of funny power dynamic in the film, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Frank is the leader, the master, but he is a malignant narcissist. And that, <laughs> I think, is what ultimately brings about his, his ruin. Yeah, for sure. He brings himself down. And then, and then Riff Raff's paranoia. Yeah, just a touch. <laughs> <laughs> just a little, they never liked they me. They never liked me. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, he does bring about Frankenfurter so many great things with everyone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he sneaks into the beds mm-hmm. of uh, Brad and Janet, respectively. Mm-hmm. And, yes, uh, I love that. And how current those themes still remain. This <laughs> somehow bisexuality still pressing buttons, making people <laughs> excited. <laughs> we can even question that people can be fluid in this day and age is just so, um, wow, it feels very quaint and like conservative <laughs> at this point, but like it's still, you know, relevant. Yeah, I felt like the rebelliousness of Frank sneaking into their beds had nothing to do with what their genders were. It was more along the lines of like violating the sanctity of marriage, which I'm all for. So I thought that was was a great scene. I was all about that. Yeah, see, I'm mostly pro most of what Frank. The only part, the the only problem I had with it was the consent part. Other than that, Uh, I was like, "Eh." yeah, there you go. That's true. That's true. There's always a a couple things. Yeah, a little. (laughs) But isn't it nice? Isn't it nice? I felt like for all the depth of Frank, he could have seduced more eloquently. Like, I felt like he was totally capable of making it happen without being as forceful as he was. Yeah. Well, you can, which you can see in the first scene where they're chatting, or I guess in the laboratory, right? Enchanté. <laughs> well, how nice. And what charming underclothes you both have. But here, put these on. They'll make you feel less... Um, Vulnerable. <laughs> it's not often we receive visitors here, let alone offer them hospitality. Hospitality? 
All we wanted to do was to use your telephone, goddammit, a reasonable request, which you've chosen to ignore. Not only ungrateful. Ungrateful? How forceful you are, Brad. Such a perfect specimen of manhood. So dominant. <laughs> you must be awfully proud of him, Janet. Well, yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any tattoos, Brad? Certainly not. Oh, well. How about you? <laughs> Everything is in readiness, Master. When I first saw it, uh, yeah, I was stunned by it and loved it. And then a friend um, was like, oh, if you ever... I said something about, oh, maybe I'd be in the cast or do something like this sometime. But like at that time, oh, I was an overweight kid. Yeah, but oh. I was overweight. And so you're very much in your own shell and you're yeah. very sort of like shy about all that stuff. And those things can stay with you in a long, long time after that. Mm -hmm. And he was actually, the friend shocked when they asked me, what role would I want to do? And I said, well, Frank, I mean, what other role would you want? <laughs> <laughs> You'd have been amazing, Frank. Thank you. you Thank yeah, you. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, my go-to karaoke song is Sweet Transvestite. Love it. I love it. It's a, it's a Solid lot of fun. Choice. Every once in a while, it'll tank if you're not in the right room at a karaoke place. <laughs> People are confused. What? Yeah. Or just like, what the hell is this? I think one time someone thought I was goofing on transgender or something like that. They were dumb. That's what yeah. it was. They were dumb and didn't know anything about the movie or the history. And for some reason thought that singing a song where you're happy to say that you're a sweet transvestite was somehow shading some, i don't know oh, i don't know they weren't very bright but thankfully i don't see them ever there was an acquaintance <laughs> as you can imagine so let's get back to your first experience with the movie 10 20 minutes in what are you thinking when you first see the wedding scene so okay so the wedding scene was very childhood triggering to me that felt like exactly where i grew up wow okay i felt like everything that my parents or grandparents went through as at a wedding is uh -huh. like some picture perfect wedding i i forget what was written on the car but it was something kind of oh let's look funky that up on the car that i was like ooh, that's a nugget of interesting detail in the movie um, um yeah while you're looking that up yeah but then once they started to see the motorcycles oh um, yeah and the car breaks down and they're like oh something's I feel like um, Brad kind of snaps at an interesting way at Jane in the car. Uh huh. That is just kind of the, uh, another just nugget of like something's not picture perfect here. There's lots of that with Brad and Janet, right? Like when Janet sings along, uh, yes. he's a muscle man. And Brad's like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And then also uh, they're sniping at each other yes. a little bit. So one of the call and response things at the screenings is when Brad says something, people say asshole. Asshole. And then with Janet, slot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The other thing I, that just stuck out at me right at the beginning was definitely when Frank, and I think it was Frank, Riff Raff, and Magenta or Columbia, one of the two, they were the old people running the... It was, yeah, it was yeah. Magenta. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. Isn't that... And, yeah, isn't that... But nobody, but nobody interacted with them. No. No, they just stood they there, there ominously. Yeah, as like if American like, Gothic. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. I mean, I looked at it and I was like, that's us, right? Like we are this kind mm -hmm. of fluid, queer, other mm -hmm. group that just exists, but nobody wants to pay us any mind, but that doesn't mean we ain't here. So on the car at the wedding, it says, wait till tonight. She got hers, but now he'll get his. Oh, ominous and delightful. <laughs> yeah. And the uh, marriage takes place in Denton. <laughs> yeah. The, the, as... Shock treatment fans will know the uh, heart of happiness. 
Um, what state is that in? They never specify. Yeah, that feels exactly like where I grew up. Mm-hmm. I think there is a dent in Texas, but I don't think it's set in Texas. I think it might be similar to Springfield on The Simpsons, that they wanted to leave it kind of vague. Mm-hmm. Here's a cute radio ad from the original uh, promotional material of Rocky Horror. The Rocky Horror Picture Show is a must for all of you. If you don't go and see it, I shall personally come around to your houses and drag you out by the scruff of the neck. I shall belt you around the mouth and mouth you around the belt. Do you understand what I'm saying? See the Rocky Horror Picture Show, rated R, under 17, not admitted without parents. Kind of amazed that 20th Century Fox really went so total with mm-hmm. the promotion for this. I mean, because that's not a very bland uh, little ad spot. It, no. Although I guess FM radio at the time maybe was a little more uh, spicy. loose. Yes, but certainly spicier than it is now because mm-hmm. radio is essentially dead. But that is very uh, evocative. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that photo too. I know. I was just about so to say fun. that. I really, um, I enjoyed that in the collection of looks, that green vintage dress with the pearls and the pink. Oh yes, his lab looks. look. Oh, yeah, because yes. what we're looking at right now is the cover of one of the discs from the Rocky Horror box set that came out, I think around the 15th or 20th anniversary for a collection called Songs from the Vaults, which was pre-Shock Treatment being available on CD. And uh, it was a four disc set. It had the soundtrack album. It had the, I think the Roxy Cast album. And then this Rarities collection, which featured some of the songs Tim Curry recorded for his uh, never-released first solo album, including uh, a cover of Baby Love and a song about Mackenzie Phillips called Just 14, which we should listen to in a minute. Um, Written and produced by John Phillips, the scariest uh, man in soft rock. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Upon re-watching this, I think one of the things that really struck me most was like, wow, Tim Curry was fucking getting his life like legitimately uh-huh. you know everyone's do, everyone's working hard but then he gets on the frame and you're like okay you are working every inch <laughs> every fingertip every blink like mm-hmm. every toe mm-hmm. you're working your prop like you are legitimately like showing every bitch in the group up right now yeah oh absolutely and this was his first film yeah he killed it yeah yeah he killed it and there's sort of this almost myth that he didn't like talking about the movie i think he kind of shied away from publicity in general and will only really promote things that he was currently working on at the time. Mm-hmm. But there's some really good interview clips we have uh, uncovered. Yeah, keep the mystery. Like, you don't, it's hard to be asked too many questions about this and you have to answer things. Yeah, exactly. You don't really want to. Yeah. And people would ask him kind of dumb stuff. So to illustrate that, this is from a Lincoln, Nebraska local show. It's 1982. Tim Curry is promoting the theater run of Amadeus because he originated the role of Amadeus on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And it's too bad he wasn't in the movie. That would be incredible. That would have been amazing. I can understand not wanting to do interviews about Rocky Horror if this is what you'd have to sit through. <laughs> From Hair to the Rocky Horror Picture Show to Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart in Amadeus and out of Bill Sykes and Oliver Twist meet the star. Tim Curry, do you realize this guy has cost me a fortune? Tim, I had to buy all this stuff for my kid. I had to buy the Rocky Horror Picture Show album. I had to buy the books. I had to buy the scripts. I had to buy the t-shirt. I had to pay to go see you on Broadway. You're a very expensive date. My I know. goodness, have you- Is this why you, is this a votive tribute? I did this just for you. You know how long this took? 
What, what I went through for About you, two minutes. Tim. <laughs> her back is to the camera. Yeah, her back's to the camera. and She's uh, up in his face. All up in his face. She's got uh, a really terrible in interpretation of the Frankenfurter makeup on. I love his shade. Looks oh, about his shade. two minutes. <laughs> yeah. His shade is so delicious. And the look on his face <laughs> could not be... He is Frank. Look how sassy he is. Yeah. That's no, the yeah. point. Mm -hmm. Frank, Frank was very naughty. Mm -hmm. You know? Mm -hmm. He was very mischievous. Extremely mischievous. A little touch of the mania. Loved it. A little touch of the mania. A little touch of the narcissism. But yeah. you know what? That's what's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Almost an it's, hour. It's we looked delightful. at your, we looked at your pictures. <laughs> the amazing thing about this guy is he comes on as a loony. He really does oh. an evil loony in so many of the things we've seen. But he's a a gentle a gentle man. He's a, he's a crashing bore. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, have you seen? Have you been? Now, in do the, you feel funny in that makeup? I love it. <laughs> I love it. I just need. Do you feel some... silly? No, no. I feel wonderful. I feel yeah. like a transvestite. Oh. Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you, you look a little like a transvestite. Oh. Have you been in the audience for Rocky Horror Picture Show and seen what they're doing? Uh, yes, I have. In fact, I was thrown out. Why were you oh. were you misbehaving? Well, no. I, I I went rather early on at the Waverley in in New York where it started, and um, and they thought that I was an imposter. Oh, <laughs> and they threw me out. Did you go in makeup? No, I came as myself. Did you? I, mean, I came really rather like this. Tim, Tim, did you like what they were doing, or did you think it was silly? No, I thought it was enormous fun. I was having a ball, and I got thrown out. I was very upset. <laughs> well, here's the amazing thing. In Lincoln, Nebraska, <laughs> Rocky Horror Picture Show has been playing for three years. Now, we're a very small community. Three years, every Friday and Saturday night at midnight. And it is a cult film. Now, mm -hmm. I can see it happening in a New York City, but in Lincoln, Nebraska, to have the guys dress up in long stockings and the garter belts and all this, in Lincoln! Yes. Well, I don't see why Lincoln should be anywhere, you know... No, because we're more conservative. We're, we're yes. more conservative, really. And the fact that it's been playing... Well, it's still news. ...all that yeah. time. But you know what I noticed? I, I thought in many cases that the audience was more obscene than the film. Oh, absolutely, yes. Yes. Well, the film is a, is a, is, is a very innocent film. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, the audience can do what they like, really. That's up to them. <laughs> well, when, was there a script originally written to tell the audience what to do? Oh, no, no. That, that all evolved. Actually, yeah, that just all evolved. How long did it take for it to catch on? For all this Well, a long time on. in Nebraska. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> uh, mm, I don't know. I think it took about uh, six... It, uh, Maybe a few months in New York after after whoever the marketing guy who first put it on at midnight, and then within about six months, and certainly within a year, it was all over the country. Yeah. Well, some of the things that the audience does is absolutely delightful, like the rain scene, and all of a sudden the entire audience becomes the windshield wipers. Is that what they do now? They oh. just put up umbrellas. Oh no, it's windshield wipers. The management will not allow people to flick their bicks. Yes. They will allow them, there's a dark scene, and they say, do you have a match? And they used to, used to use matches, but that's dangerous in the theater. So people bring flashlights now. Oh. And our management will allow people to get up on the stage and do things as long as they do not touch the screen. Because oh. you could put a fist or you could put a foot through the screen very easily. Oh, but easy. they allow everything else. Have you ever heard the narrator, well, not everything. Oh, it's a dark, you never can tell. Have you heard the narrator yet? Have I heard? Have you ever heard what the narrator says in Rocky Horror? Oh, well, I, no, uh, I don't understand. They don't allow us to hear it. Oh, I see. Oh, well, that's probably just as well. Oh, <laughs> he's not that thrilling. No, he's wonderful. I don't know. 
Did you have fun doing it, though? Oh, that okay. was fun, yeah. Well, it's a I hope you get the opportunity. It's, it's a delightful thing. Now, regarding Amadeus, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, do you know that I cried at the end of the show, not because of what happened to you, but because two actors, you and Ian McKellen... How amazing is this train wreck of an interview? <laughs> <laughs> I, this, could, this could have its own commentary this could be its own hot dog club dissection i think so yeah this woman's everything that's wrong with america she doesn't even make a clear point whatsoever irritates the guest when you irritate oh. the guest that is a special gift i think because he seems pretty it's agreeable it's, it's a multi-level irritation too it's an irritation at marginalizing him <laughs> marginalizing the distribution of it uh, of the you know the running of the film yeah and then just making a sweeping statement that oh but that's for the new yorks the new yorkers to do but here us in lincoln no no we that's our chapel we we would yeah, never do we, we would do wouldn't do that we're more conservative yeah, in, in yeah, that yeah. way of say it's like saying that those new york types when people are being yeah, anti-semitic yeah. since the the ladies uh, are gone, have gone to check on something uh let's hear the rest because well, I, I only listened up that, here I, I wept i wept at the okay. end of it and a Tony nomination. Okay, now he's playing another evil character, and he's going to be Bill Sykes and mm -hmm. Oliver Twist. Why do you get all the juicy parts? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, do I? Yes. I, I mean, I've, I've, I get some terrific ones. Um, Bill Sykes is certainly a juicy part. Yeah. He, look, he looks evil in many ways. And when you kill Nancy, you terrible person, you do it so brutally. Yeah. I put my back into it. Uh, George C. Scott is playing Fagin, and I guess we're so familiar with Oliver, we want the moment to come when everybody sings, a burst into song, food, glorious food, but this is not the musical. This is not right? the musical, no. Uh, is there any twist to this twist, or is it the old story? No, it's the, it's the book. I mean, it's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a faithful adaptation of the book. Why do it again? Because it's a thumping good story. A thumping good story, mm. as in Peter Rabbit thumping. Uh, no, well, it's just an English phrase. It's a, it's mm. a, it's a good narrative. You know, it's a, yes. it's a, it's an exciting story. We will be watching it here March twenty third on ten eleven strong, and Tim's not done yet because he's doing Annie. That's true. What role are you going to do? In the, you're not doing Little Orphan Annie. You're not going to be Annie. No, I'm not going to be Annie. <laughs> you're not that. I, I grew, I grew too much. That so I had to give up the part. Not that one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I'm playing Rooster. Mm. Who's, who's, I suppose, another villain, and he's, he's not... I mean, I don't get to kill her or anything. <laughs> I, I, I almost get to drop her off a bridge, Annie. <laughs> um, but mostly I get to have a lot of fun with Carol Burnett and, and Bernadette Peters, who... Well, we'll be looking for it, Tim. You're, you're a fascinating man. Fascinating man. Thank you. Thank you very much for being with Thank us. Thank you. Tim Curry, watch him here on the March the 23rd. Oliver Twist is going to be on CBS. On the March the 23rd. Nice. I, she's, mm. she's on some kind of yeah. mother's little helper, one. right? Not yeah. enough. I don't know. So I realized a yeah. couple other places I'd seen Tim Curry in. Oh, cool. Where? Definitely. Muppet Treasure Island was mm -hmm. a big, oh, yeah. was a oh, big yeah. hit of mine. Mm -hmm. I only saw it in the last 10 years, but I was thrilled when I saw it because he's so over the top in it. <laughs> I don't think I've seen it, it? in, in uh, it being the... Uh, oh, it, the... Uh, no, 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 I'm saying I don't think I've seen Muppet Treasure oh, Island. Oh, I thought you meant it. it. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, and then 
this is another one. The uh, 2002, The Wild Thornberries movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Uh, I haven't was, seen that. Yep. I would have been 11. He's Nigel Thornberry in that. Yeah, he's done loads and loads of voiceover stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's in Fern Gully. Yep. Fern Gully. Yes. And of course, he released three terrific albums. He did. I yeah. didn't. I don't remember him in Fern Gully. I haven't seen it in so long that I don't remember yeah, it. But that's... oh, and he's in Legend. Have you seen Legend? I haven't. So he plays basically the devil in Legend. So good. Do you have some thoughts on Legend, Sophie? I love Legend. That's another one from my youth. Mm-hmm. So have you seen fun. both versions of it? Both versions being... So there's two totally different edits of it. There's the theatrical version that was released in the States, and then there's the, what's called the European version, which is... I don't is, think oh, I love the oh, European okay. version. Yeah. That's where all the good stuff is. Well, and it's funny, I've only seen it once, because we did it on Movie Club, and I watched... I thought, okay, the director's edit, that'll be the one, because Katya loves that movie, but we watched the other mm-hmm. version. Score is completely different. It's not as dark. It's a very sort of Disney whimsical score. Interesting. Yeah. You don't see Tim Curry in it until well along into the into movie. The film? Yeah. Which is kind of a problem. Any movie that has him in it, yeah. bring him in. This, this is the perfect uh, amount of time to wait in Rocky Horror. Yeah. Yeah. You're watching a movie, it's fun, it's good. And then he shows up, like you said, Sherry, it's immediately elevated. Oh, just it elevates enough. it to, yeah. Just oh. enough for the reveal. Yeah. Amazing. Has anyone here seen Times Square, that movie? I have not. No. That's a really interesting movie from like 80, 81. Mm-hmm. He plays Johnny LaGuardia, uh, DJ in New York. Oh. And then there's these two girls. There's kind of a lesbian story in there, but it got cut out. Um, Darn. I know. Uh, worth seeing. I might post it for Hot Dog Club because I think it's currently unavailable in most formats. See, but Christ. I know. And sadly, I was watching the movie with the commentary on, and they were like, yeah, there were so many more scenes of Tim that got cut after it was taken out of my hands, and mm. they lost all the footage. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, no. That's a disaster. A disaster. Apparently, also, like, a pill-induced breakdown that the character has. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's what you want. You want to see Tim Curry do the, like, the sobbing, the Liza Minnelli-ing. Yep. You yeah. sure do. You know, so we haven't talked about Susan Sarandon at all yet. Yeah, you're oh. right. Let's talk about Susan Sarandon. I mean, I, I really enjoy her. Who is so. that? She plays Janet. Janet. Yeah. Uh-huh. Have you seen Thelma and Louise? No. What? I know. I more know. things to discover. More mm-hmm. things to discover. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> we're loosening our boundaries on things that are old and things that have singing. See, we're doing <laughs> There's all no sorts singing of discovery. In Thelma and Louise. That's right. No, no singing. singing. But it yeah. is old. I feel like True. I feel like that was probably on at some point. <laughs> in my childhood oh yeah it's on the cable yeah i just don't think i paid it much attention one distinction between you and i that we've talked about in the past though is like i grew up i was the oldest of many children so i my influence often is younger than me yeah and i'm the baby so everything is like hell of backwards Okay, yes, yeah, and I had an eight-year-old, uh, not an eight-year-old brother. I had a brother eight years older than myself. And so I also had access to a video store that he worked at. Mm-hmm. So I was able to get tons and tons of stuff. I don't think mm-hmm. I ever had a VHS tape. Oh, really? Nothing subversive in my life was ever going to be shown to me on a VHS tape. So there was, seemed like there was a bit of a clampdown on home entertainment in general. I just maybe a skate video at the skate shop, uh-huh. maybe, but by the time... I was consuming subversive media. It was all digital. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, by the time I was 10 years old, the internet was a thing and people were on it. Gotcha. Your family had VHS tapes though. I just, yeah. And that's, I was saying you're not, you're not that young. No, no. I, yeah, it's not that I've never <laughs> used VHS or anything like that, but I just, nothing as beautiful as this would have ever have come across my plate. In that know, form. On, a, on that format. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Whereas most of the things, the, 
that I've discovered for the first time like this, except for this because I didn't see it on VHS, but a lot of cult films, a lot of, you know, sort of uh, obscure films, that's how I got them on VHS. Mm -hmm. And which actually made it great in the era of uh, Blu-ray and digital distribution because you can then see it the way it was supposed to be seen. And you're like, oh my God, this was like a well-shot movie. Look at that. We should talk about Susan Sarandon. Sure, she's a been bit in a more. lot of things. She's been in many, many, many things. Yeah, yeah. I know. I needed the a Witches of Eastwick. Oh yes, oh, I love that. That was a favorite of mine. Oh, I have so to see good. that again. I haven't seen that in a long, long the time. Hunger. Oh my God! Of course, the hunger. Yeah, we were listening to Bela Lugosi's Dead mm-hmm. the other day, and of course, that's what starts off the hunger. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the best opening sequences, I think, in probably any movie, especially a horror film, yeah. and. Um, Susan Sarandon, of course, uh, popping off a little bit about politics and the kind I of. I know. I was going to say, look, don't don't judge me. I know she's being she's being problematic a little bit right it's, now. It's okay. You can like a problematic person. You know, she's not that problematic. I mean, there's that's m- true. Plenty of other people being far more problematic. That's lately. true on scale. <laughs> no, she's incredibly attractive, especially in this uh, film. Absolutely, yeah. she did a great job as Janet. Yeah, she did. Yeah. And Barry Bostwick is Brad. Mm-hmm. She was in James and the Giant Peach. Oh, okay. Didn't know I that. Had no idea. I love that movie, Miss Spider. I haven't seen that, and I do love the uh, Roald Dahl books. Yeah. Mm. I also haven't seen The Witches with Angelica Houston. I've oh, heard that really? that's incredible. Oh, yeah. yeah. Here's a little clip of Tim Curry talking about how he arrived at the affect of Frankenfurter. Why does Frank have that extraordinary accent? Why? Well, we tried all kinds of things. When I first read it, I read it German. I was almost very like this. I was middle european and sort of and um that was a little used i think and so then we tried it american and it was jim sharman the director's idea to make him um the sort of belgravia hostess with the masters so and and i remembered being on a bus once when uh, a, a very sort of debbie lady in a headscarf turned to a friend who was, who was sitting in front of me and she said, do you have a house in the town or a house in the country? <laughs> and the phrase had always stuck in my mind and so that's the voice that I used. I see. Um, it became a sort of trademark of him, really. <laughs> oh, my God. He looked great there with that leather jacket and that big mustache. Right, mm. yeah. Mm-mm-mm. And that's from like 1975, mm-hmm. a nice little rare gem that someone blessed us with on YouTube. Thank goodness for YouTube and the archive uh, plumbing that it allows. Mm -hmm. So let's get to some of the listener questions. There's so many things to get to. Inevitably, we'll probably not get to a lot of things that later we'll be like, oh, we should have got to that. We'll have to do the back around. We'll do the back around? Do the back around. Yeah, do the the up, the down. The reach around. Yeah, not to be confused with the reach around. That's another segment of the show. (laughs) (laughs) We'll do the time warp. There we go which will get us right back to, oh, that reminds me. So there's two different versions of the movie. The big difference is that at the end of the film, after I'm going home, right, and mm-hmm. they kill Frank, mm-hmm. there's superheroes on the original version. So I think because the movie bombed initially, they took out this sort of sad bit at the end. Mm. And it's always interesting to me when a movie studio recuts a film thinking that that'll affect the uh, popularity of it because... I mean, do people run out and go, this one, no, 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 this it was better this time because of this thing. I mean, I, I guess the overall impression is like happy ending. Mm-hmm. There's not really a happy ending, though, in the version that 
we see a lot, which is it goes from that to Magenta and Riff Raff talking about how they're going to go back to the home planet. They do the shoulder touching thing. What did we say in audience participation? The shoulder fuck or something like that? <laughs> yeah. And then, um, or the elbow fuck? Elbow fuck. Elbow fuck. Uh-huh. And then, um, elbow sex. Elbow sex. Elbow there you go. Sex. Yeah. The shoulder fucks, that's for elbow shock treatment, I think. Yeah. So here's what happens as the building is going up. This is great. Right? This is the hottest Janet so far. Yeah, this I was just thinking that. That certainly changes the tone of the end of the film, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Now there's another little bit of audience participation, and crawling. We'll have to uh, display to you. face. <laughs> Some insects called the human race. Where's your fucking neck? Lost in time. Isn't that right? Where's oh, your right. yeah? Where's your fucking where's neck? Your fucking neck. Lost in space. Right. Yeah, there's some other thing in there, the meaning. Yeah, so this is why I don't wear collared shirts and ties for the most part. I you worried people are gonna no, come I, up don't. And go, I don't like my neck being squeezed like that by clothing. Oh, okay, but you know, you can get it. <laughs> I'd rather have a beautiful woman do that to my neck, not a piece of fabric. <laughs> and then, if you know, you're having the fabric do it all the time, it just takes away yeah. from the sensation. Yeah, <laughs> well, as you can see, I like an open collar, mm-hmm. certainly. Mm. If I have to wear a tie then fine, but then the collar has to have just enough room. Bless you. Bless you. Bless <laughs> you. The shock of it all. Tried to squeeze it in, it didn't work. <laughs> Happens sometimes. You try to squeeze it in, 
And I start talking work. about collars and she just has to sneeze it out. <laughs> the constant question is, you know, have you been typecast? And it's usually when you're sitting there, you know, I mean, I, <laughs> I was doing Amadeus and sitting in a 17th century frock coat in a Broadway theater with a lady from the New York Times. And she said, has Rocky Horror Show typecast you? And I said, will you look at what I'm wearing? <laughs> what does it look like? I'm playing an 18th century genius. I don't think I could be further away. So I think it's sort of, because it had such a strong visual image, um, people assumed that it would. But in fact, it hasn't. There were some questions specifically for you, given oh, that you were a first-time viewer. Um, Rachel Jordi Zamo wrote, only one question, how can you not have seen it? Well, hopefully we have explained that. Uh, Rachel said that she thinks she watched it for the first time at age four. That's uh, nice. impressive. Wow. Yeah, you had cool people around you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stina Albertson wrote, well, I'm 44 and I just watched it for the first time tonight. Yay, so, see? welcome and hi to you. Exactly. We see you on the Twitter all the time. That's right, hi Stina. That's right, hi. best news, corrupting people all over the land. <laughs> Let's do it. It is, it's what gives us that special jolly feeling. Mm -hmm. Rachel also wrote, why don't you finally watch The Lion King, Gregory, and find out what, what I would ask. Well, you know, I appreciate that, Rachel, but we're not gonna do it for Movie Club, and uh, <laughs> maybe I'll just keep you in this state of suffering. Uh, <laughs> then Laura wrote, I mean, I've, listen, I, I know the Elton John soundtrack, isn't that enough? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's not one of my favorite Elton albums, so I don't think I'm going to go there. But yeah. Laura had a few questions. Uh, which character do you most identify with? Mm. Uh, that's really tough. Um, Frank, Riff Raff, or Rocky? Definitely mm -hmm. some combination of those three. I liked that Riff Raff was the, uh, almost like the man behind the curtain at the house. He knew about all how the house worked. Sure. I liked that Rocky just had this innate, spirit to him that was just unfettered and un uncorrupted by any influence yet at that point mm -hmm. in, in his life mm -hmm. and i liked that frank was just bold and willing to do whatever he felt like at the moment <laughs> i think that probably frank probably frank yeah. i was like which one do i most identify with right at the end of the day we always end up going i mean yeah i guess frank yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. understand yeah. so the yeah. same for you too yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think I would. Um, younger me would probably say Magenta because yeah. that was just always the character that I find found very fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, current me definitely more Frank as I become more and more <laughs> the corrupter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I went through my natural progression of who I, who I played. And I enjoyed Janet because I was, you know, I was very shy. I had to come out of my shell to sure. get here. I thought, I thought her, I thought her journey was fun. Magenta, I love, and then Frank was obvious, is an obvious one for me. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's funny. Columbia is an interesting character too because yeah. Columbia and Magenta seem to be sort of equally jaded. Mm -hmm. But then when Eddie, yeah, yeah. Meets, loves the bad yeah, boy. Yeah, loves, loves the bad boy. The bad boy. Yeah. I also did throughout the movie think to myself. I think I would like to play the narrator at some point. The Krim? Uh huh. Yeah, I, I, there was, I always liked being outside the storyline mm -hmm. in that regard. Mm -hmm. So that that was an interesting character. I like a, a narrator. They, they don't make any bones about it. They're like, we're going to tell you some stuff that's going to happen because we're mm -hmm. not going to bother with yeah. sort of explaining it in a subtle way. Always this is what happens. Yeah, my friend Jesse Merlin, uh, who actually I think would be amazing for one of these. He's an LA LA actor and oh, cool. a rocky person and queer, Quentin Crisp and all the, you know, John uh -huh. Waters and performed with all of them. Um, but he he was the criminologist in, in some cast that I knew as well. Oh, cool. The best, the best. 
So and, good. Uh, of course, the criminologist role when Fox mm -hmm. did a, I think it was a live version, right? It was a remake of Rocky Horror that they did a few years ago with Laverne Cox in mm. the Frankenfurter role. And Tim Curry played the criminologist, oh, really? which was the first time he'd revisited the story. Uh, again, a lot of people like to think that he sort of had uh, an antipathy towards the show or the mm -hmm. film. He just didn't really want to do much about it. He went to one or two of the anniversary things, though. Here's a nice clip from uh, an MTV show about the 15th anniversary of it. It's Tim Curry and Chris Connolly. Are these things fun for you? Does it, 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 does it get tiresome, or is it still enjoyable to, to re-experience them? Um, I well, I, I've missed a lot of them, because I, I, uh, I missed the 10th one because I was working in London in, in the theater, and I went to, the, the I think, the second convention, which was about two years in. So this is the first one I've been to, really, since then, and I, I'm actually, I have to say, kind of bewildered. Um, I didn't really sort of expect uh, quite this event. You must do what you thought it would just peter out after a couple of years, all the throwing and stuff, but it really hasn't, has it? Well, it was, it's not so much that I thought it would peter out. I just sort of didn't think that, you know, I didn't think we'd sort of get to 15 years, certainly. Now, in the years since, you've had a hit record, you've done a lot of stage work, you've done movies. In some respects, you're still defined by this in a way. Is that fun for you? Is it confining at all? Um, well, I don't know. It's you guys who do the defining, you know. Um, do you think it's helped you get interesting stuff to do, the fact that you're so well known for that? Oh, God, I really don't know. I mean, if I stopped and thought about it, I'd be insane, I think. <laughs> no, I mean, um, as far as the people who, 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 you know, see the movie and write to me, I mean, I don't think that... That, that that's the way that they think. It's certainly not the way that I think. But they're sure having a good time, aren't they? Oh, yeah. I'm the only person here who doesn't look like me. <laughs> and here's everybody else who did look like you. What was the word you used to describe how you thought Tim Curry viewed the film for a long time? Uh, that, that a lot of people thought he had an antipathy towards it? Yes. It's interesting that you play that just now and they kind of hinted on it but then when we watched the Lincoln, Nebraska one, the first yeah. thing that came to my mind was the reason he was so offended initially at this woman from Finna for so many other reasons was that like ultimately he saw the fans and the fan movement around the film as art in and of itself i think out of his respect for that he didn't want to make himself the object of the art yeah i don't think he wanted to interfere with everyone's interpretation and yeah, exactly. uh, love yeah. for the movie. And you can see it in that interview, especially too, that he was just annoyed by bad interviews. Yeah. You totally. Like that guy, Chris Connolly, who was a pretty who good isn't? film writer. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. You right? know, but even in this one, he's yeah. like, you know, I I was at the theater, I was acting, right? Like he's not using Rocky Horror as a a self-promotive avenue, right? It's, exactly. He didn't cling on to it and no. be like, this is my thing and I'm going to be at every convention and I'm going right. to just ride this because he could have. He really could have uh, clamped onto it yeah, hard. absolutely. Yeah, even Richard O'Brien didn't really. I mean, he's, you know, his whole life has been Rocky Horror because also the crazy thing about it is that his first thing was this incredible phenomenon. So how do you, not even top it, but how do you yeah. do something else after? Yeah which he tried to do with Shock Treatment, which we'll get into in another movie club, which is a great film in its own right. But um, he never really made another movie. He just was an actor mm -hmm. after that. So Laura had some other questions. Which character would you share a romantic dinner with? And which creature of the night would you get dirty with? Dirty with probably either Magenta or Columbia. 
seems very possible and likely with with Magenta and Columbia. I I loved their room when they were like creeping on <laughs> the happenings that were going on. Oh yeah, the spy yeah. spying. I, love I don't know that. why, but that room was like the most erotically stimulating in my mind of like what's going on here like they're watching this all this play out and they're just like loving every minute of it yeah that was the room to get dirty in. yeah certainly the um, casual touching as well <laughs> yes <laughs> uh romantic dinner with definitely frank obvious choice i mean a romantic dinner implies you know conversation and who do you want to conversate with more yeah, I'd go with okay. the criminologist. Today. Oh, yeah. Ooh, interesting choice. Yes. Interesting choice. I get dirty with Frank, but I want to go to dinner with the crim. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to pick that brain. Mm-hmm. For me, getting dirty, I, think, I suppose, with Frank, uh, and then Janet. So it's yeah, between yeah. Frank. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. Frank or Janet, yeah. and then the romantic uh, dinner with. Since I'll, I'll I'll take Frank out of the equation because I've, uh, I've already selected him for the other one. So I guess the romantic dinner. Oh, wouldn't it be fun to do a romantic dinner with Magenta? It would. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or maybe Columbia, but she's, I feel like at a romantic dinner with Columbia, she'd lapse into the story of ex-boyfriends who have <laughs> gone astray. It'd be a lot of complaining. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he did this, and then he did that, and you'd yeah. be like, okay, all right. Mm. I'm just saying, getting down with Rocky, too. You know, that's a that's a nice piece of moldable man meat. Yeah. That could oh, be good as well. Yeah, give me that Frank Rocky sandwich. Or, <laughs> a, or, a, or a Janet Rocky. That's what I was going to say. Also a Janet Frank. Combo oh, yeah, sounds Janet amazing. Frank. And I don't know, Brad, Brad might be fun. Who knows? I could tie him down. Brad's a cuck. <laughs> the reason no on Rocky on the getting dirty is there, there's there's nothing there mentally to stimulate. That's all right. Me, just put you know? a gag in it. <laughs> objectify it. Rachel wants to know, don't you feel like a better person having let Dr. Frankenfurter into your life? I sure did. <laughs> uh, easy answer, yes. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. If anyone says no, it's like, oh, I guess, no, maybe you didn't like the movie then. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah Campbell wrote, I'd love to know to the Virgin viewer, what was your initial reaction and thoughts toward Frank at the start of the film and your thoughts at the end? Did they change over the course? Uh, Yes. Uh, So at the start of the film, I thought Frank was awesome. And at the end of the film, I thought, how sad for Frank because his spirit should live on. Yes. So even with all the problems, you know, the... uh, not just cutting up, but then serving Eddie as dinner. Um, how can you argue with the uh, don't dream it, be it, and I'm going home moments? I just, I always love somebody with that much agency. Even though, like, he maybe brought this upon himself or whatever, I just, I never saw it that way. I was like, you know what? You just, this is just a bad timing, right? They just, they wanted to go back <laughs> yeah. to Transylvania, and you just got, like, they just, it happened right now, which is the only reason they're coming after you at this moment. Other than that, Frank, you, you'd have just kept making the world a more beautiful place. Yeah, true. Yeah, they just weren't in on the trip, which maybe they could have been, but uh, <laughs> things didn't work out like that. Yeah, everyone's sad when Frank goes at the end, yeah. right? Yeah, that, that, that song too, I think. <clears throat> Excuse me, I love the whole album, but that might be my favorite one. I'm Going Home? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's mm. a beautiful, beautiful I so. song. Uh, I missed it up at two moments when we watched it yesterday. Sweet Transvestite and then at that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also a classic. Yeah. Those two might be my favorite. Yeah. And also I love that uh, he imagines the full audience. And it's such a great surreal scene in an already surreal film that there's this older audience, you know, Mm -hmm. bravoing and trying to get his autograph, which he shuns. No, no, no. No, No, no. I can't do that. No, no. Yeah. But I love, you know, of course, because it has to, he has to be this like really big figure. And I love those like couple of moments of vulnerability where he's just like, 
you know, as the performer does, looking for that acceptance and that <laughs> gratification and that, like, adoration. I also have to note how red his eyes are. Oh, uh, yeah. In that. It was really remarkable. <laughs> and that must have been shot over a couple of days. So, I don't know. Is it just the makeup going in the eye? or were The they... pool, the water. That's right. That's true. The chlorine yeah. will get you. All of the above. Yeah. 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 Paint your face like that every fucking day for God knows how long. And I assure you, you'll probably have a lifetime allergy <laughs> by the end of it. Just crying over and over again like that. Mm-hmm. Those tears. Salty tears. Salty tears. And Laura had another question actually related to the pool. She said, also, a would you rather drink the dirty water from the swimming pool orgy or eat unlabeled canapes from the convention dance sequence? Oh, what canapes. is a canapé? Those little uh, finger food things. Yeah. yeah, the hors d'oeuvres, the uh, suspicious looking. Uh... See, I'd have probably gone with that because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a feeder. So like food just seems more pleasant than pool water. Yeah, and pool water in general, right? Now, if you're asking, could you go dance and eat their hors d'oeuvres or go swim around a pool orgy? Oh, swim around the pool orgy, definitely. There you go. There we go. (laughs) And I'll probably drink some water in the process of that. But sure, you know, know, the mouth is uh, opening and closing. You know, you're not really paying attention to, am I above water, (laughs) underwater? I grew up drinking lake water. It's fine. That's a terrifying question. (laughs) (laughs) And what about you two? The pool water or the canopies? I'm going canopies because I can can lie to myself through that one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and plus, at that point, you don't know that anyone is serving up an Eddie. That's for right. Food. Yeah, yeah, I would have right. eaten the unlabeled cannabis. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't want to drink that orgy water. I've been to many orgies. I don't. I don't want orgy water. <laughs> I know. I'm not saying that I want to be yeah. cannibal. I'm just saying that, like, for science, I'm curious. <laughs> is that wrong? <laughs> I'm curious. You know, if you don't know, you don't know. Preferably with consent. And like, you know, he was trying to kill them. Right, it was self-defense. There you go. Right-ish, you know, adjacent. Although uh, Columbia lets us know that before Rocky, he was into Eddie, and Eddie already existed, so he didn't yeah. create him. So then he split Eddie's brain, I yeah. guess, and took some of that. That's why Eddie has the big scar. Yep. And uh, gave half the brain to Rocky. But you know, he seemed uh, well enough to sing a whole song and drive a motorcycle. So he was doing. He was doing all right for himself. He was doing fine. Yeah. <laughs> Able to get out of the deep freeze. Get, That's yeah. true. You'd yeah. already caused the problem at that point. The only thing to do was to put put it down. Because <laughs> you're going to get you know tire marks all over that you beautiful sure lab. Are. Yeah. I, you know that was offensive. That was a beautiful set. <laughs> it was a beautiful set. Let's take a moment to note the Zen room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. A great gag that I forgot about completely. The intruder is entering the building, master. He'll probably be in in the Zen room. Anytime that there's just sitar stuff as a gag, I'm in. Uh, Claudia Trillo wrote, I'm shocked by the fact that someone hasn't even heard of it. What did you think of it? And do you think the first impression would be different had you seen it when it came out, if you were around by that time? So, I, I don't know. Um, here's what I think. I think I just witnessed something that a lot of people, even in this room, saw it as an inspiration at a moment in their life when like, they were probably surrounded by normies Mm. to say, no, 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 there's this whole other world out there. Um, I think I'm kind of seeing it from a different side of the record where I'm absolutely surrounded by the not normies right now. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of, I feel like I'm learning about how, it's like learning about the Declaration of Independence. (laughs) I feel like I'm like learning (laughs) about how the queer nation really, really came to be, (laughs) uh, be one. So I, 
would it have been different had I been alive in this age or like it had this have happened to me when I was, you know, 13 years old? Yeah, absolutely. But I can't, I, I can't look at it through that eyes because that's, yeah. it was introduced to me on just different terms in that way. Yeah. Right. It's like trying to say, I fully embrace the weird right now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So it just looks at you seeing it as something that, Oh, okay, this influence. Yeah, but it fills in a huge gap of that influence in a way, right? Like, okay, even if yeah. there's a lot more, but it's like mm-hmm. to see Sophie have the passion she has for it. <laughs> yeah. Having been so close to her for so long, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. It's like things click a little bit more now. Totally. Now, did you have a favorite song from the film <laughs> on first? Uh, it's only, you know, you've only heard the songs once, basically. I, I think because I heard the intro song, so it just goes and goes and goes. That yeah. it was like that one's the one kind of seared in my head. Sure, and there's the the reprise of it at the end. Yes, um, and it's a great storytelling song, really. Yeah, the, I, I I can't say that I have a favorite song yet. Sure, and you see it a couple more times. Maggie wants to know if you saw yourself reflected in any of these characters. We sort of hit that with another question, but um, if you'd like to hit that again, just the agency of Frank. I think I have. Mm-hmm. To, to a good and a bad degree. Yes. Oh, yeah. I agree with that. And uh, I have to mention, Nicholas Amadeo is the one who asked about the favorite song for uh, Dozer. And Stina, who just saw it in the last 24 hours as well, wrote, Welcome. Um, <laughs> welcome, Stina. I'm here to support the first-time viewer since I watched it for the first time tonight. I'd heard of it, but never hung with people to whom this sort of movie was appealing. So, therefore, I get to explore some things late in life. Isn't it great, though, that we all get to absolutely yes there's always more to discover heck yeah and that is why i really love this podcast well stina thank you so much it's brought a lot of firsts into my life since airing its first episode almost a year ago thank you wv for broadening our horizons stina that really means so much more than i can say i really appreciate Mm -hmm. that and all of us i think appreciate that absolutely Kenneth Gant wrote, to our lovely Rocky Horror Virgin, have you watched any Tim Curry films before this? And if so, what were some of your favorites? And I think we hit that a little earlier. Yeah, Home Alone 2. It's hard to argue with Tim Curry in Home Alone 2. I'd also like to mention a film I've mentioned many times in the podcast, Oscar. Sylvester Stallone, yeah, yeah. made a few comedies in the mid-90s. And uh, one of them is horrifically bad stop my mom will shoot it's worth watching just to see how bad it is <laughs> it's actually kind of disturbing right <laughs> i've not thought about the movie in a long time which is probably for the best <laughs> you know you want to kind of just eschew that from your Leave mind yeah. yeah but uh do check it out and weirdly i've seen it like four times over the years it just has, has happened that way uh but oscar he plays a mobster who's trying to go into the straight world and he hires tim curry as his elocution coach so tim curry who loves to uh, ham it up and we love him hamming it up, really gets the hammer up. Now, remember, Mr. Provolone, speech is man's most important tool for the conveyance of thought. Yeah, Doc, but when am I going to start sounding like a bank? After me. Round the rough and rugged rocks, the ragged rascal rudely ran. Round the rough and rugged rocks, the ragged... Ra- Round the rough and rugged rocks, the ragged... Round the rough and rascal, the ragged. Oh, look, Doc, I just can't do it. I never learned to speak good. Do not despair, Mr. Provolone. Let's try a new line of attack, shall we? After me. Rocco the rum runner rubbed out Rico the rat with his Roscoe for robbing his rum running receipts. Can you say that? Rocco the rum runner rubbed out Rico the rat with his rascal for robbing his rum running receipts. You did it! Sure, you finally come up with something that made sense. 
Carly Rosen wrote, Hello, movie club. I love Rocky Horror, of course, but I find the ending scene where they all sing in stockings on the stage and in the pool to be unbearably long and boring. My boyfriend disagrees with me. What are your thoughts? Love you guys. I, uh... Totally disagree. Yeah, me too. That's, <laughs> it. That's my, one of my absolute favorite parts. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I really noticed this time when Frank is stage directing everything, mm-hmm. you know, and he's going over and he hits the lights and everything with the, yeah. just a, a flutter of his hands, uh, mashing the buttons. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. amazing. I love it too. I think it's one of my kind of favorite parts of the drag that's in this movie where you see kind of the same outfit on like all these different bodies. Mm, yeah. And I don't know, I find that very visually sort of attractive. Barry Bostwick in that clip we heard earlier talking to Peaches Christ said, is this movie really subversive? And <laughs> I listened to another interview with him which might sort of clarify why he would say something like that he was living in new york at the time that the movie was made and he was cast in it and he was only down the street from andy warhol's factory and involved in loads of experimental theater yeah and he said in that interview that they were doing things that were even way that were much more subversive than Mm -hmm. the stuff in the film which makes sense and also you think you forget because barry boswick's also like a traditionally like a classic leading man looking guy yeah absolutely that people like him could be into this stuff too Mm -hmm. it uh i totally agree with you cherry on your interpretation of why that scene i thought was really beautiful i'll say this i I don't think it was long or boring and drawn out it was very surprising Uh, that just wasn't the right how i thought the movie would end oh that's a really interesting thing to talk about as well like kind of a big twist where did you see it going maybe before that i thought there was going to be some sort of battle between the outside normal world and the people in the castle now that makes total sense because first we get Dr. Scott coming in right. mm-hmm. and then you're starting to hear uh, Frank talk about like knowing that there's an agency looking into him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The idea that Riff Raff and, and, and Magenta were also aliens, I didn't think that was going to be the case. Right. I actually didn't think there was going to be aliens. I thought there was going to be like, I thought that was kind of a joke from the song. Oh, sure. Right. And right. that they were just these really awesome weirdos who lived in this beautiful house who like were doing crazy like science novels. yeah and, <laughs> that, <laughs> and that the churchgoers were going to come with torches and be like absolutely not in lincoln nebraska yeah okay so svw had a question as to where we watched the movie we watched it here in the living room so those who didn't get to see it with an audience uh, as we've covered but we're all going to go see it with an audience and we can report back exactly exactly Oh, and uh, then they want to know, Craig, what was the best ever Rocky Horror viewing you ever attended? I don't know if I have one specific one. I think the one where a girl just got topless when she was brought up to be a virgin was a mm-hmm. good one. I remember that as a good starter for the evening, set the tone nicely. It was one of the screenings in Harvard Square. It was one where the cast was particularly good and the pre-show was really fun. The pre-show is a thing too. So let's talk about the pre-shows. Yeah. It, well, the pre-shows were always different depending on sort of where you were going. I went in Petaluma at the Phoenix Theater, which is probably my favorite. What is a pre-show? The show before the show. (laughs) So the pre-show for the Rocky thing is they would do either like a series of skits Mm -hmm. or maybe they'd screen uh, videos of Tim Curry's songs Mm. or like maybe clips from other movies like Phantom of the Paradise, Mm -hmm. which is another great cult film from the 70s. Sure, right. Some games. And it was different for every shadow cast. Mm -hmm. Every shadow cast kind of has its own personality. They did. Interesting. Then uh, Ray Garcia wrote, I saw this film as an 11-year-old and it spoke to me in ways I didn't think I'd understand at that age. Shouldn't Rocky Horror be required viewing for anyone 11 years and older? Is That's my question. Well, I suppose, but people find things when they find them. 
but I appreciate your enthusiasm for the film, Ray. Janine wrote, were you aware of the existence of satanic mechanics before watching the film? This is my favorite question. Yes. I consider myself a satanic mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the line uh, about the satanic mechanics, Dozer? Because you've only heard the songs once, so... It's in Sweet Transvestite. Yes. Mechanic. Which one of my favorite things is in the audience participation is to say. S and M. Well, I like to say Hispanic. Oh. Yeah. There's also uh, in um, the I Can Make You a Man part when he yeah. when he says, it makes me, woo, I just like to yell boogie with a midget. That's exactly right? it. Right. That's, That's my so, favorite one. That was one. ours too. Yeah. I love these little differences though between the cast that you went and saw and then the cast that I was. I know. I love the, all the regional differences. It's, it's fun. Um and there's another one that I really like when they reveal that Eddie is the source of their supper. Um, I'm singing something like, you took the food right out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it must have been while you were eating me, which is uh, a, a play on a meatloaf song called mm. You Took the Words Right Out of My Mouth. Maddie writes, fuck, marry, or kill. Columbia, Riff, Magenta. Dozer, you first. I mean, I don't really want to kill any of those three. I'm I know what you fine. mean, yeah. How about, how about kick out of the house for a while? Block them on Facebook. I'd probably uh, marry Riff, fuck... Toss a coin for Columbia or Magenta and then kick the other one out. There you go. Just leave it up to chance. (laughs) (laughs) See who's feeling hungry that day. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I would say, you know, well, yeah. Kill Riff Raff. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry about that. Um, You know. Fuck Columbia, but you know, marry magenta because I I like a crisp woman. Yeah, that, I would I would definitely I would definitely kick Riff out and marry magenta and and fuck Columbia so she'd stop complaining. Riff's just my kind mm-hmm. of nerd. Yeah. <laughs> See, you could um you know gag Columbia while you fuck her. There's something about the high pitched voice that like sets my little nerves on edge. Yeah. <laughs> I like the I like a, like a strong German Moody. lady. Like a yeah. mood. I like a mood. I think maybe kill or kick out Riff Raff just because of the paranoia. Mm-hmm. Seems like it's real strong. He's just so blonde. He's so blonde. <laughs> It'd be a lot to live with. A lot. A lot. I think Mary Magenta, she seems a little bit more long-term sustainable mm-hmm. and just fuck Columbia because yeah. I just feel like I won't have to hear the stories about the ex-boyfriends. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Sylvia Sipple wrote, was the film anything like what you expected simply based on the title? No, but I feel like I was very warmed up to the idea that don't go into it. Like we spent a whole, before we decided to watch it, what happened? We, that's right. A group of us sat around and I was like, what is this about? And nobody I feel like could like give me an explanation. Exactly. And then I got really excited and I said, no, 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 do not say anything. Shut he, it down. he made us stop talking. Shut it down. I did because one of my favorite things in the world is not knowing what a movie's about and then seeing it. And especially because this is like a unicorn appearing mm-hmm. someone, especially, um, given the folks that are in the room, mm-hmm. right? And sort of the uh, tastes and uh, lifestyle preferences or, uh, <laughs> you know, um, aesthetic. Yeah. The aesthetic, aesthetic of all of us. Um, and the fact that one of us had not seen it was a, a special thing. And I was like, wow, I get to experience this through new eyes. And then also have them just go into it with no pre-warning. I love it. Which is a lot of fun. fun. And this is why I'm with Cherry and Sophie. (laughs) (laughs) We can only introduce so much so quickly, you know? Well, no, things take time. They do. And like you said in the other episode, why not just uh, go slow? Go slow. No rush. Let things Mm -hmm. unfold. Thrills and chills. Gorgeous gals. Transylvanian party. Lots of laughs and sex. 
I'm just a sweet transvestite. Action-packed, 18 great songs. Soundtrack available on Ode Records, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Certificate Double A. Now exclusively at the Rialto Coventry Street. You said something about the film being a hub for who? Well, for subversive culture in general, but particularly for me as someone who discovered kink, you know, young and yeah. and had interests. Places like uh, the Rocky Horror Picture Show screenings, late night screenings. The movie was great and the music is great and all of that is great. Yeah. But the culture that surrounded the film and the people who came right. was for me as someone where finding those groups of people, was it was, it was a hub absolutely for alternative people in general and i found a lot of uh, a lot of kinky people there yeah like-minded folks which yeah. you know at that age and adolescence is very difficult because mm -hmm. certainly your high school you know you might be one of a very small number of people interested in the things you're interested in or, or just you know of the same mindset mm -hmm. local news love to do spots on the phenomenon in their towns like we heard earlier with the lincoln nebraska thing michael stipe was a big Rocky Horror fan, and here's a clip of him uh. in St. Louis. Let me ask you a question. Why have you seen the movie 61 times? Because I'm a devoted Rocky Horror Picture Show freak. I mean, devotion has its limits. I mean, 60 is enough. One more time. See, um, I wouldn't have known about the show. I came to the show one time. It was um, a regular feature, and I saw the previews of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and, you know, instant love affair. This is an excellent movie. It really is. And it's a cult film. We're all quite normal, really. Um, now, if you had to prove that, how would you go about doing it? I mean, it's furthermore. <laughs> show up tomorrow afternoon. Dressed in our little KC pig shirts and uh, <laughs> our blue jeans. Uh, that'd be normal. That'd be normal. Yes. I guess for, yes. for the normal St. Louis yes. KC fan, yes, it would. He's also wearing a blue oyster called Pin on his jacket, and he's dressed he as is. Frank. Of course he is. And he really had the makeup down as well. Mm -hmm. He looked great. What would your answer be? Prove that you're normal. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> I am. Stop trying to aspire to that long time ago. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't know if I could. You used to have to blend. These days you don't have to blend mm. quite so much. Look, just your makeup. Yeah. Yeah. That's just all. your makeup. Yeah. Mm. Check your makeup. Always, blend. Blend. Always check your, your makeup. makeup right? Always check your makeup. Well, yeah. In trying to answer that myself, I'd have been like, oh, I was just talk about computer programming, but maybe that wouldn't be a way to be normal. Maybe not. No. Zoe Keller wrote, OMG, I went to my local Rocky Horror after the Kotcha show last night. What a coincidence. Huh? And she wants to know if we prefer to see it with the live cast or just watch the movie. Personally, I like both experiences equally. How about you, Sophie? I like them both equally. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They're yeah. different. Uh, the casts are fun, if, especially if the casts are good, you know. Um, Absolutely. I, I've seen it with not a good cast. Yeah. We all have, right? Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, with a good cast, the cast, <laughs> it, 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 yeah. just the movie's fine. Yeah. 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 Just the movie alone is great. And Sherry, yeah. uh, you haven't seen it with the theater audience, right? I haven't right? seen it with the audience Ah, yet. that's right. But I can already tell you, as um, <laughs> just someone who likes stories, I would enjoy both because I really like film production and I think the movie by itself is valuable that reminds me you can see a boom mike in one point yeah yeah at the wedding scene uh -huh. we were talking to james yesterday about it and he said there was no nudity in it there is uh, uh columbia is popping out of her top that's right yeah in the that's pool right. sequence yeah <laughs> and you know frank <laughs> sure <laughs> Rocky. Yeah, yeah. well yeah yeah that's true yeah he's very bare yeah just some uh gold undies male nipples or naked nipples too you know you're right i'm sorry i wasn't being 
appropriately woke. Okay, so forgive me, forgive me. There's a lot of tabs to deal with, so I just it slipped my mind. I'm always learning, always getting better, always improving. Uh, Peter Hinwood, who played Rocky, uh, never acted before or after, actually, and he apparently was so bad that they cut all of his lines, and his voice is not his voice in it. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, but he later became an antique dealer, very successful one. So things worked out for Peter in the end. He had the body for it. He, well, yeah, he could get away with a lot. Mm -hmm. You could if you were Peter Hinwood, I imagine. <laughs> I also like the special combination of uh, magic chemicals that Frank puts into the tank. Right. A little bit of blue <laughs> stuff. Some red stuff. Some, yeah. Make the rainbow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's true. You know, I never thought about that. The glass yeah. panel, it's a rainbow. Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Scarlett wrote, if you could change just one thing about the film, what would it be? Starting with you, Dozer. I think I'd add more characters. Uh-huh. In the later part or the earlier part of the no, film? I felt like there was more people at the house that we didn't get to understand. Sure, like the other Transylvanians, mm -hmm. the party guests and exactly. everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I found myself, uh, as we were watching it, wanting, and I really enjoy the aspect of Frank sort of seducing Brad and Janet mm -hmm. separately and especially mm -hmm. in the identical way and them giving in the identical way. I think that's very awesome. But at the same time, I wanted to see like them seduced almost as a couple and like what it would see to like watch the two of them have kind of a threesome situation. Now that's the adult director in you. I just think <laughs> there there's a lot go. of opportunity See? for Brad to have to kind of take in a little bit more of uh, Janet really loosening. Let herself go. Let it go. Yeah, let it fly free. Because that's just <laughs> my favorite part of the film is really watching Janet's journey in uh -huh. that way. And I would watch that. Uh, the one of my favorite scenes in the film actually is when they kind of strip their clothes off of them, yeah. <laughs> you know, and they kind yeah. of trick them into it, and that whole kind of manipulation <laughs> moment. I think that could have gone like a little, just a little bit further. <laughs> yeah, I'm with Cherry on all those things. I'm like, I'd like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I like to make little, make a little more porno out of uh -huh. it. I saw some like, opportunities yeah. for pornos. Yeah, I saw some opportunities <laughs> for pornos. <laughs> yeah, sure. Because it's funny um, that there is so little nudity. Essentially, there yeah. is just almost accidental. Mm -hmm. Nudity, yeah. if you will, and what would you? I, I, very the similar. Same, yeah, very else would you similar add or, to Cherry. Yeah, uh, I don't know. More looks from Frank. Yeah, I'm sad. For, yeah, the end. Like Frank, it's, this, it's all the death always did make me sad. I know, no death at the I end. Didn't, I didn't love that. Yeah, I, I want to feel like they're just you know continuing to yeah. be dirty. I just like trap him, make him the sex slave. You know, like do right. something, but don't kill him. Like that's come on, that's boring. I would have loved to have seen more of the house. We get teased with absolutely the yeah. more uh, more rooms sure. again. Mm -hmm. Back to just more more yeah, yeah. more character development, more yeah. development of of the set because it's just such mm -hmm. a great uh, opportunity. Make it an HBO season, right? <laughs> oh, that'd be great! Like a yeah, ten part series. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're remaking everything these days. Like let's right. do it. Right. Right. I'm down with all of that. Plus, just more. Maybe a couple more songs. Mm -hmm. More songs. Yeah. Tim could sing another thing. Say run long. Yeah, let it run long. Mm -hmm. Maybe some more dialogue from Riff Raff would be kind of yeah, interesting. Yeah, and more, more and, and magenta too. Quite frankly, yeah, yeah. those yeah, two get a little yeah. more, a little more chatty. Yeah, you maybe. start to see their relationship, but it's like very much at the end of the film, right? You know, right. a little more consternation with yeah. Frank. Perhaps you could have really seen them kind of have these subtle moments of like commiseration yeah and just separation you know mm -hmm. where they're not entirely on board with like the master plan whatever it is or that they had a separate plan you know a little more right. anticipation building with that true um and more it's sorry <laughs> storyteller huh <laughs> um a little more diving into the insecurities of frank you know like sure you, see, you get a couple of susan moments of his sort of emotional state 
That's true, yeah. Tortured self. Yeah, more of that tortured self. They give credence at some point in the film to the notion of formal attire will be optional. (laughs) And so it kind of teased me in the sense of, well, what would his other dinner parties look like? (laughs) Yes, and I would love to see um, uh, Eddie's uncle. What's his name again? Dr. Scott. Dr. Dr. Scott. Scott. Get a little, I guess... No, I just really enjoyed that moment. And we could linger there a little bit more, I guess, with the slight corruption of Dr. Scott. You know, Uh he starts to stick his leg out Uh and you see those stockings and stuff like that. Uh Yes. Just, you know. He starts to live just for the thrill. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) We've got to get out of his trap before this decadence our I've got to be strong and try to hang on or else my mind may well snap and my life will be lived MC Cross wrote, my one comment is the makeout orgy pile at the end is a pansexual awakening. I think that that scene helped a lot of people begin to realize that they were queer. Yep. I'd have to agree with you. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And in hindsight, like very revolutionary. You know, mm-hmm. even the gay queer community loves to kind of put themselves in boxes. And this yeah. film was very wiggly. Yeah. <laughs> Fluid. Fluid. Yeah. A lot of wavy lines. Mm-hmm. The best kind. Exactly. A lot of questions about if we've seen it in the theater before, and we appreciate that. We're not going to read them all, but thank you. Uh, Cynthia Jones wrote, if each of you had to be a character in a production of Rocky Horror, who would you want to be cast as? And Sophie, of course, we've said has been, uh, Magenta, Janet, and Frank. Yes. Jerry, who would you? Um, I really like, um, a similar, I don't know. That's what I like, you know? Yeah. 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 Oh, I would say um, I'm curious uh, as to in the previous question. I'm just really curious if anybody has a recommendation of a certain city or production yes. that yes. they think has like an amazing cast that deserves to be shouted out and loved on. I would love to hear about that. Yeah. Send us uh, some info on that and we'll mention it in the shock treatment movie club, which we'll be doing with Trixie Mattel, Trixie's boyfriend, David and Jake Shears. Oh, yeah. That is going to be spectacular. Where should we see our first performance yeah. really you know mm-hmm. it should be a really right. good one so get get tell us tell us where to be where to our go. anniversary was yesterday who's and, doing uh, it we could happy anniversary a anniversary yeah. trip yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. de-virginize uh-huh. yeah. that's right. cherry and i go de-virginize together with our <laughs> bust lovely our family cherries. that's right <laughs> mm-hmm. we'll go bust those cherries with the best of the best because you know that's what i like <laughs> no pressure <laughs> All the pressure. All the pressure. The pressure is the point. Let me rephrase that. All All the pressure. pressure. All the pressure. The pressure is the point. It's so difficult having a good time, you know. (laughs) Even smiling makes my face ache. (gasps) Ellis Scarlett wrote, Hi, ladies. I'm so happy you're doing this movie. I'm shitting myself. Oh, yay. Mm. At age 10, my friends and I would watch us at every sleepover. For a while, we thought we'd put on a performance, and we went around the school looking for cast members, but didn't happen to find anyone as enthusiastic about it as we were. <laughs> when you realize you're the weirdos, God bless you, and we love you for it. <laughs> we all fought over Columbia, but I was given magenta because of my hair. I now appreciate how cool that role is. So, mm-hmm. my question for everyone is, who would you want to play in a classic Rocky Horror stage production, which is a bit different than the Shadowcast? Oh, 
man. In the stage production. I think that might hold true the same. I think so. I would do any of those three still. And I loved playing Janet. As strange Uh as that sounds, she was so much fun to play. she takes the journey. She's the only one who actually has character development where she starts and ends in like a different place. Yeah, true. I'd play any of those three. Honestly, would be fine. Frank would be fun too. Frank would be super fun, but probably Janet actually. The only thing that would be difficult with playing Frank is that you have to basically live in the shadow of... Mm -hmm. Tim Curry. Mm-hmm. I saw oh, one yeah. or two stage productions, and people seem to have uh, one of two options. They either do a very tribute to Tim Curry performance, yeah. or they do this thing where they try to really throw the meter <laughs> off. You know, did, did you have you absolutely, found that? absolutely. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know if that works so well. I don't think so. No. It wasn't my favorite personally. Yeah. No. I think you'd do a good Frank Craig. You have a very yeah. Tim Curry-esque face. You yeah. got that devil toothy smile. You have to know good. It's <laughs> true. Wait, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I would have to just find my own Frank if I did Frank on stage. Yeah. Well, it's like covering a song. You just sort of find a way to do it. Like, I'm not saying I wouldn't have absolute amazing inspiration from Tim Curry Frank, but I think there would have to be, like, I'd have to go on sort of a, a journey and find my inner Frank. <laughs> Here's a little clip of Tim Curry popping up at a screening of Rocky Horror in 1979. Curry visited the St. Louis Theater when the Rocky Horror run was in its infancy. Movies are very, very stultifying medium now. I mean, most, mostly one actually sort of sits there and, and goes into the screen. We actually were trying to come out of the screen into the audience. Here's a little bit from the set. Now, I wrote it, first of all, for myself to... to um, while away the, the long winter nights when I was out of work. And uh, I did a film, uh, a play at the Royal Court, the theatre upstairs, and I, Jim directed it. And I mentioned it to him that I was writing it. I hadn't even finished it. And he heard some of the songs and uh, read the script that I'd got, as much as I'd got. And I just had to actually sort of round it off, uh, resolve the whole story and round it off. And it was done at the theatre upstairs. There was no sort of hardship with it really it just all happened really well i mean the excitement to me of the film this very the much was in the fact that for once there wasn't you know something that was created by a very small group of people which was then taken over by a sort of massive concern and and sort of pulped out but that in fact the people that originally created it and the actors had a lot to do with the you know creating the original role that we've kept the sort of basic core of the original people uh through the various sort of transformations as the sort of monster has grown Lewis Carroll wrote, I was forced to watch the bad Fox Network TV production at a party before seeing the actual movie. That's sad. We're sorry to hear that. However, then the real film must have seemed like the greatest thing ever made. (laughs) He said that he had avoided watching the movie on DVD or at people's houses because he wanted to see it for the first time on the big screen. And if possible, with people yelling and throwing all the shit at the screen. And he thinks he might have waited too long. The dream apparently was ruined by a drunk asshole. I'd like to hear more about that story, Liam. So send in some further details. What's a time you caused too big of a buildup for yourself or something, a film or whatever, only to have it ruined by a stranger or a random chance happening? This is a very good question, I think, because this has happened to everyone. It does remind me of any movie that's really hyped. People are like, you got to see this. You really would love it. Actually, the movie The Room the Tommy Wiseau film, everyone would be like, oh, you like weird movies. You know, it's the best like weird movie, The Room. And so I heard that so many times. I was like, okay, cool. And in my head, I would go, I am never seeing that. (laughs) Turned out it was a good time, a fun, uh, fun little voyage. I'm trying to think of when something was ruined for me. (laughs) Our our first date took a couple of times. 
for Cherry and I. Really? Like first was Thanksgiving and that didn't work out. <laughs> I'm like, excuse me. And then the next one was Christmas or was New Year's and we were supposed to have like that big gathering no, at the not the same. <laughs> I, no, but <laughs> I'm just saying. Are you on a tangent? Did no, I'm saying don't... it was something that built myself up, and then I ruined it and was like disappointed. <laughs> oh, and then it oh, was... we're having therapy. I see. Yeah, <laughs> and it was compounded by it being a mm-hmm. holiday or New Year's, which is already tricky. Oh. Uh, you know, it was just there. There was chemistry, and we just were continuously teased for a while about it. Oh, I see. I see. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm trying to think, ruined it. Like, what is ruined it? I don't know. Maybe I just have a very open mind in a way to consume media. Or I don't go to the theater enough where other people can affect me. <laughs> <laughs> I, ha- I have had a few movie uh, Oh, Craig, I know you have. By... <laughs> tell us. Tell us. I want to hear tell yours. Us, and we're Craig. talking strictly about movies? I yes. guess I'll go. Yeah, okay. I'll stick with that for okay. now. There's been a couple times <laughs> in the theater where someone has been. Okay. When I saw Chicago in the theater, uh, people were. Oh. Someone was kicking the seat and then talking a lot and stuff. And then uh, I had to give them the shush. The trouble with the shush in the movie theater, even when it's justified, which it almost always is, uh, your adrenaline goes up. Yeah. You get a little combative. Yes. You're ready for war. You are. You're like, who, who do you think you are? And <laughs> yes. what gives you the right to ruin my moment? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because as we all know from the show, I very, very keen on a mm-hmm. uh, proper movie viewing experience. And um, you're a good dom in that space. No, yeah. no. Absolutely not. Shh. Thank you very much. I, yeah. You know, I appreciate that. No, that's, that's, it's so nice that. while you do it. You're like, you know, I hate to, I hate to be the guy. I hate to be that guy. But I'm going to be that guy. I'm that guy. <laughs> right now. I'm yep. be that guy. That guy is me. I am that man. I was super appreciative, Craig. Was oh, thank laying you. It down. Thank I, you. I only had to one time last night. Other than that. <laughs> well, yeah. No, I, there's a kinship with that. And I, yeah. I knew. And I know the feeling. Um, yeah. I can only apply this to, you know what, in hindsight, because uh, I'm really good at that. Um, is the, when you know, when you're, it's really more where, like when you're trying to share a film with someone they're just mm. not in the space to receive it yes <laughs> yeah. yes i can't even come up with like a specific moment in this but it is just like a personal pet peeve and probably a reason why dozer is not exposed to certain things because i like to wait for that perfect moment when i know when i know the butthole is just open receptive <laughs> to just to take it in because i you know there's nothing worse yeah. than like someone who's distracted or just not well, you know, not I willing to read the undertones. Completely agree. Yeah, I do too. Same here. No, I've definitely had the experience where you're so excited to show someone something, and they're almost sometimes in a different way than what you were describing. When someone's willfully, yeah, uh, opposing what <laughs> you're watching it in energy, you're like, I, I, "Is this really happening?" Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, now that's different than what you're describing, but. Uh, it has the same end result. Absolutely. Really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like respect the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And also I think one or two concerts where someone was really, really obnoxious behind me yelling oh, yeah. and screaming. And I've had that. Drunk. I had that. I had someone with some loud children once and I turned around finally and that woman wanted to fight me. So I went and got security and they escorted her out. I, yeah. You know, I stopped doing lawn seats at concerts <laughs> after a while because yes. I was you like, you know to. what? It just, but just buy the box seats. It's just. Yeah, I I can enjoy the performance without having to worry about some drunk person running into me on accident. Yeah, and I remember seeing David Bowie and Nine Inch Nails at Great Woods in Massachusetts, oh. and uh, what an amazing show! Oh, some my. idiot behind me during his no. he, it was he was playing My Death, which any Bowie fan is familiar with. For those who aren't familiar with the song, he plays it in the Ziggy Stardust film. 
the guy started screaming, play old stuff. And he kept saying it. And I was like thinking <sighs> two things. He, this is old stuff. Yeah. And, and he can't hear you. That's the other thing that always, I always want to turn around and go, he can't hear you. Yeah. You know that, right? Yeah. But that, that, I really don't account, especially for the drunk guy. Oh. Yeah. Like, this won't no. go any, anywhere well. I no. fucking hate that. And, yeah. I, and I hate people who feel the need to shout things out and then like think, oh, I just need to do that about 10, 15, 20 times because no one heard me. <laughs> this is, was not a movie nor a show, but um, there was an upper floor moment, which is, it's a live broadcast and this oh. motherfucker, or maybe it was public disgrace. I, nope, it was public disgrace. Sorry. Live Still, live audience, kink.com, shoot, and some fucking drunk asshole kept saying, smack your dick on her forehead. <laughs> but smack your dick on her forehead, like over and over and over oh until I thought I was going to have to put him in a headlock. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a great twist to public disgrace. I would have loved that. Oh, sh fucking shut There's the only fuck up. Shut the fuck up. You fucking shut it. <laughs> There's only one place that I think yelling the same obnoxious shit 20 times in a row is really acceptable ever. Yeah. And that's at a sports, a professional sports game. Sure. <laughs> like at, a, yeah. at an NFL game. Great. Scream all you like. Th that's the place. Yeah. Don't be rude anywhere else. No, especially yeah, like amateur game or something like that. Never. No, no. But yeah. somewhere where they're getting millions of dollars yeah, to. Yeah. yeah. And where they can't hear you. They can't hear you. That's you true. You can shout anything you want. Yeah. But yeah. when you're in a tiny space where the performer can mm -hmm. hear, shut the fuck up. Shut or, the fuck up. Or like in basketball, they're shooting free throws. It's the opposing team. Yeah. Take a big cardboard <laughs> cutout of, you know, Steve Belushi or something and like wave it around at him, right? You know, that's, there's yeah. all kinds of great fun things you can do at a sports game. Don't do anywhere else. And then a couple times at, uh, of course, the New Beverly. So drinking yeah. club, uh, drinking club, drinking game uh, players have at it. There was one or two times where I had to show someone in the last 10 minutes of a movie. <sighs> and um, I think then I just turned around and I was like, come on, guys, really? That 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 was how I shushed the. I remember it was a, a Friedkin movie. I think it was Bug. And that's all I said to them. And then yeah. they, they hushed up. Because, uh, well, you know, when we do the shock treatment uh, movie club, I'll have to have Jake Shears talk about the time. He almost got, uh, well, he got threatened with getting knifed at uh, because he told a woman to put away her cell phone during a <laughs> screening of a. Uh, the what's Snow White and the the recent reboot thing Ooh, with the yeah, yeah you guys watch it a lot oh yeah it's the uh, Snow White and the Henchman I'll call it Huntsman. 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 Huntsman that's what it there was you go. and what were you gonna say Dozer I was gonna ask oh, you have you ever been in a movie theater where the audience was participatory but it was it matched the energy of what was occurring in the theater. Oh, and that's okay. Yeah. 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 It's a rare thing, but it's like, oh, actually, when I saw The Ninth Gate, uh, a terrible, terrible, terrible film, which I was really excited for. Uh, at a certain point, what's that? Oh, it's <laughs> I love so, the yeah. terribleness. At a certain point, someone went, ah, oh, come on. And it was hilarious. <laughs> I loved it. We were all feeling the same thing. <laughs> I saw the, uh, oh, hi, Tinkins. Tinkins, just like hi. that. Yeah. Cat confirms. <laughs> yeah. Um, I saw The Dark Knight at the Metreon uh -huh. at its uh, midnight uh, premiere oh, here okay. in San Francisco. Uh -huh. at, oh, yes. Hello. You didn't get to go, Tinkins. You yeah, were upset. I understand. Very mad. Um, you know, it was a midnight showing. Everybody there was incredibly drunk, and uh. everybody there loved Batman and was super fanatic about it. And that was by far the most just out of control IMAX movie I've ever seen. <laughs> I gotta say, 
I didn't hate it. It was actually pretty. One guy had his laptop out like as wow. the movie was not mo- not started yet, but like they're getting ready to dim the lights. And he's like, you know, it's San Francisco. Some guys aren't checking his email. <laughs> and people were just screaming at the, get off the laptop. It was wonderful. It was beautiful. I was like, everybody was there for the experience yeah. and acting crazy. And I, I, I was okay with that. Yeah. If, it, if the mood works, if you're in a special mm-hmm. moment like that, I, I dig it. But if it's just a lone lunatic. Oof. Yeah. Jessica Donaldson wrote, is there anything more iconic than Magenta's lips in the opening? What do you all think? I mean, That was my question is whose lips were they? Yeah, Magenta's. Ah. Mm-hmm. Jessica wrote, I was lucky to have a family who watched this movie every Halloween. And I also remember seeing it as a child and not knowing what the bedroom scenes with Janet and Brad and Frankenfurter meant. I agree with someone's earlier post that this movie was my bisexual awakening and also maybe made me really interested in guys who cross-dress. I love that story. So do I. Your your family sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. (laughs) Hugo Frazier wrote, just a brief riffraff thirst comment for your nerves, hunty. Did nobody else think he was kind of hot? (laughs) With that hunch. (laughs) He was my my people. I'm totally down with Uh (laughs) riffraff. Yeah. And I love his singing voice. It's yeah, a little unorthodox. I, I do love the singing voice. I remember trying to sing along to that when I was first trying to figure out how to sing as a youth. And then I, as I stopped, I heard a dog howling next door. Oh, well. Didn't, couldn't quite hit the note that well. Didn't know right. really had to work it. Now I do. I can do it now. You were giving it your best shot. Exactly. Yeah. Tanya wrote, ah, this is exciting. My question is, when did you all first see the movie? Tanya, we covered that, but thank you very much. Uh, she said she only saw the film the first time a few months ago and wishes so badly she would have seen it as a teenager or in her early 20s. Would have saved her a lot of time trying to figure out her sexuality. Hope you're all having a fabulous Sunday or whatever day of the week it is. Well, thank you. We hope you're having a fabulous day too, Tanya. Yeah. Amanda Lenore wrote, Aside from the big main time warp number, Touch It, Touch It, Touch Me has always been one of my favorite songs. I identify so strongly with Janet's sexual repression coming out in one burst, plus Rocky definitely contributed to my sexual awakening. My question is, which character musical number do you all most identify with? So since we answered that already, I'm going to modify that and say, which musical sequence is your favorite, everybody? I have to agree with... um. Amanda, I think that the touch me moment is such a, uh, it just, it's my mm-hmm. moment. I don't know what it is. When I look back at all of my sort of favorite movies, it's always that, you know, I grew up in that repressed environment. So that moment when you're just like, screw it. <laughs> <laughs> so you like Bad Sandy in Greece, which comes That's out. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Bad yeah. Sandy yeah. in Sandy. Greece when um, we go from square to drape and crybaby. Like, yes. Those are my moments. I really, yeah. yeah. That was a fun one to perform. That, oh, yeah. That moment. Uh-huh. And I agree because I found Rocky so young. I had that same thing where it was like, and I was so shy. I was so quiet. I was such a quiet kid. Uh-huh. And it was just a radical transformation for sure. me to find these out expressed people (laughs) you know it was i think you know besides getting into the adult industry and stuff one of the one of the biggest game changers for me was rocky horror picture show totally yeah yeah. it very much spoke to me because uh, again with weight issues as a kid and also being bullied and Mm -hmm. stuff like that this movie was just like oh my god you know that david bowie and all that stuff 
have that sweet transvestite. Yeah. I'm going home. Yeah. I mean, you know, a time warp is always fun because of the dancing, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I love a good a fake dance craze song. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. It's like a flash what, mob. What was the the song that uh, Frank is singing at the end uh, right before he gets shot? I'm going home. I'm going home. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I would have to say either the the touch of touch me or um that one were probably my two mm-hmm. um oh yeah my backup definitely um what's the one that's i can make you a man in seven days oh yeah yeah the, that, i can make you a man yeah mm, i can yeah. make you a man that's definitely just seven days and six long nights i really relate to that just give me half a fucking chance <laughs> <laughs> change your whole life forever <laughs> I, I can attest seven days is generous frankly Mm -hmm. i'm gonna pull up another song that is not on the original soundtrack album Mm -hmm. sadly but then was put on the complete rocky soundtrack it's very short but very funny and frank is extremely shady in it although i gotta say i don't like the remix they did for the this soundtrack album Oh wait, is this the instrumental? Weird. I tell you once. There we go. I won't tell you twice. You better wise up, Janet Weiss. Your apple pie don't taste too nice. You better wise up, Janet Weiss. I love that he pegs her immediately. It should be all you need. You'll sense you as a pencil. Wound up like a New York first string when we made it. Did, Did you hear, hear the bell ring? You got a block? Well, take my advice. You better wise up. Get it wise. The transducer will seduce ya. It's something y'all get used to. A mental mind fuck can be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Janet. You better wise up. Think about coming up. Yeah. You better wise up. Build your thighs up. You better wise up. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Oh God, the whole thing is good. Yeah, the whole thing is great. The whole fucking thing is good. And actually, it's only forty seconds. We might as well. Don't get <laughs> hot. Love Use a bit of mustard. You're a hot dog, but you'd better not try to hurt her. Frank Furter, you're a hot dog, but you'd better not try to hurt her. Frank. So great. I also love Dr. Scott's um, unt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you guys this. Yeah. Nerd trivia for the uh, the experts here. Do you know what a transducer is? Do not really know what a transducer is. Because they talk about it a lot. You're right. They do. And I feel like I should know. Please do uh, enlighten us. It's interesting. Um, 
A transducer is a device that converts energy from one form to another. Oh, okay. And I feel like knowing that might make some more interesting intent of what they keep talking about as they, they talk about, you know, the, this master plan mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Gonna, right. Converting. We're going to convert you with mm -hmm. the transducer, mm -hmm. Janet. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yes, definitely. And then when they, yeah, they appear in the other room right. out of the Medusa mm -hmm. uh, thing. I like how the Medusa thing, but it, the lever just goes on its own. <laughs> yeah. It's Medusify and unmedusify. Yeah. <laughs> but when you unmedusify, you just happen to be in corset <laughs> and drag. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> it makes it a lot easier for performers yeah. to just be like, can you just put Medusify oh, please. and demedusify me, please? Yeah. And yeah. then also you don't have to travel so much. And I just um I love that uh don't dream it be it moment when mm -hmm. he's finally it's like, funny he's we haven't talked about that yet yeah preserver whole oh, I don't know what it is I love that pool moment and that shot that they get is so dramatic you saw it was the USS Titanic or whatever yes I like that oh that also reminds me of the RKO uh, backdrop yeah. and everything a little nod to the old um, science fiction movies of the fifties that's right but don't dream it be it is like the most important thing about the whole movie, really. Yeah, exactly. Right? And apparently, according to one thing I read, uh, Richard O'Brien saw that in some ad in a magazine and then repurposed it. Nicholas Amadeo wrote, my parents took me to see Rocky Horror for the first time when I was in college. It's part of what convinced me to come out to them later that year. And he also loves Planet Shmanet Janet. Yeah. Christine Larkin uh, wrote a nice note, which we already addressed. So we're going to move on to Kristen Hodelmoser, which I hopefully mispronounced i am so excited for this thank you for putting this together and blessing us with this movie club goodness i'm wondering if you've seen the theater version which we covered so sorry mm -hmm. Kristen. thank you for any of us that have seen the stage production and the film if there's anything that we enjoyed more in one version than the other i don't think there's anything i enjoy more than the film i don't either yeah yeah it's no, just, I, the yeah. film for me is is the one it's the ultimate it yeah. sure is it's like with hedwig i saw yeah. a stage production of it and granted it wasn't john cameron mitchell doing it but there's no way I could like anything more than the movie. Freeze wants to know, what are some of your favorite shadow casts or the best shadow cast names you can think of? I can't remember really any of the shadow cast names. So um, what was the name of your shadow cast? Oh my God, I'm trying to remember. That's a weird name. <laughs> I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm trying I'm to remember. I'm trying to remember. I'm to the stage. Please. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> I don't want to age myself. <laughs> well, let's just say, you know what? Back. There's so many great ones. We would hate to pick one and leave the other ones out, right? But, but we would love your recommendations. We would. Mm -hmm. Juan Quinones wrote, question for everyone. Have you given yourself over to absolute pleasure? Confidently, yes. <laughs> yes, I, I do think so. Signed, stamped, and sealed. <laughs> yes. Riley Luna wrote, question for whoever may inject my cranium with juicy knowledge of the Lord. Where in L.A. would be a good place to try and get some work and drag over the summer? That's a good question. And you know what? We'll have to return to that on another episode of Listener Questions because I actually don't know. I know Hamburger Mary's is a great place to go see drag, but I'm not sure what the amateur situation is. Uh, you might want to... Actually, you know what? I'll revisit that when I do uh, chat with Ray Latre, which is coming up soon. So thank you, Riley. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I will acknowledge what you're saying, which is that you're only 18, not 21. So that definitely probably creates some issues considering drag often happens in alcohol-related environments. Yes, certainly. certainly. Oh, drag on the internet anytime. I remember the name. Sins of the Flesh. Yes, that's. I was trying to remember mm -hmm. that one. Yes, that is the most yep. well-known one, right? Yep. 
Rachel uh, Giordizamo had another question. What is it that makes the Rocky Horror Show so iconic to you? Well, uh, personally, it's everything about it, but also Tim Curry's performance and mm -hmm. I think just the general tone of it. Yeah, yep. I agree. Definitely Tim Curry's performance and I love that. Um, And I, it's hard for me to put it exactly in the age that it happened because obviously I watched it um, a little bit after. Um, but to have someone of his caliber um, of acting to take on a role like that and to really not half-ass it in any kind of a way to just fucking go for it and give such performances really amazing um and i think that the sort of drag that it encompasses and the sexuality that it shows and with the casualness that it kind of all occurs like that's obviously still to this day like i think pretty iconic and revolutionary totally agree i mean we what was the uh the movie that came out about um, the fish creature. The Shape of Water. The Shape of Water, right? Like we we as a society can't even deal with even the slightest controversy, right? Like imagine if this movie had come out today, hmm. people would still be all up in roar about it, right? Like I feel, oh, like, sure. I feel like as a kid, one of the reasons yeah. I didn't know about this is due to like severe repressed censorship. And what I would culture. say, um, especially um, you and I have a bond in that, um, you know, there's all kind of a weird shit in the film, but one of the things I think in the Midwest and the South that is so fucking sacrilegious is the cross-dressing aspect, oh, yes. is the gender yeah. bending, specifically mm -hmm. this idea of, uh, I don't even, you know, sissy men, like whatever the slur that Completely. you get, you know, like to not to be anything outside of the um, macho stereotype of what maleness is. Um, wow. Just completely still to this day would push boundaries i had gay friends that were in the closet as a kid i had you know i i feel like that has changed culturally and the cultural acceptance of you know your your sexual orientation has certainly been liberated in a lot of the environments i grew up in but i still don't think yeah and the sexualness of the gender bending like yeah. i think there are yeah. some moments in southern culture mm -hmm. liberace elton john where we've like made peace with this non-threatening non-sexual flamboyant gayness yeah but not this um, yeah it's like elton john would never steal your wife you know like exactly <laughs> or, or regardless you know like there's just um he, it's he's almost like a non-sexual creature i yeah. would say mm -hmm. like, he doesn't sure. have this uh danger danger or, yeah. you know or like you know because that is the sort of probably most insidious fucking trope of gayness that we're all like sexual mm -hmm. predators out to fucking corrupt your children and like steal anybody they didn't like my family didn't like me having dyed hair or long hair right like i couldn't imagine my family being like hey can you guys explain this movie to me yeah <laughs> just the makeup frank is wearing regardless yeah. of his gender yeah. would be pushing boundaries and upsetting people much mm -hmm. less to put it on a man much less to have him have a bisexual in, attitude in that predatory nature in sexy lingerie and to be in lingerie and dominant right yeah, yeah. That's, right. yeah. you know mm -hmm. yeah, 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 yeah frank's yeah. running that's, the show absolutely that's right he's not yeah yeah pushing boundaries of even roles assumed roles in bdsm mm -hmm. i think mm -hmm. and our final listener question is from maddie hello maddie and i think maddie just joined hot dog club i think oh, because welcome. of this episode welcome 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 yes welcome 
And Maddie wrote, I just did a show with my cast, the Kansas City Junior Chamber of Commerce. That's a terrific name, by the way. <laughs> this weekend, how did you all lose your rocky virginity? And we covered that, Maddie, but um, thank you for asking. And P.S., Maddie can't wait for shock treatment. Anyway, I can't wait to do shock treatment as yeah, well. It's I'm very be excited for that. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Send your requests to Cherry and Sophie about what movies they should educate me with. <laughs> that's, that's a great one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I can assure you I probably haven't seen them. And that's not because I'm not willing. I just. No, look, people have different experiences from one another. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people forget that. And they're like, how could you have not? It's like, well, you just haven't. Yeah. 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 And it's fun to show people new things. It's really fun. Yeah. I love that. And like I always say, I think we, you know, underestimate the um, isolation sometimes of being from an area that's not around like a metropolis city or a place where there is a huge alternative culture. Um, you Certainly. Know. Yeah. There's a delay to discovering all of these things, and especially now where there's so much on the internet, you know, I think it can be hard to discover all of these things that you should. Absolutely. You know, it can be. Like we were talking about, right? Yeah. About uh, random accidental discovery of yeah. things. We kind of had the opposite experience, right? Like I showed you my movie collection, all these movies that to me are very iconic. I was like, if... Have you, you know, what did you think of that? And you're like, I've never even seen that. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, oh yeah. man, you know. And these, yeah, and those are like uh, staples yeah, for you. Absolutely. Right, exactly. It's amazing. Yeah, so we're going to swap some film titles back totally. and forth. Yeah, and I'm excited about that, especially newer films. I have to be better about uh, seeing And I got to be better about seeing older films. Sounds good. It sounds like we're both going to uh, have some fun with uh, some different eras. I love that. Mm. Well, thank you guys. Well, thank you. For joining us and, and making it so special because, uh, like I said, it's like a, a unicorn regarding this movie. <laughs> Someone who hasn't seen it and didn't know anything about the following and all that stuff. It's really been wonderful. Living vicariously through well, you. I'll report back when the ladies take me to the uh, stage performance. Yeah, we're going to have to bring Craig too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll have a Great. little, we'll have a nice little update yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you all so much yeah. for making this a very special movie club. Thank, thank you. you. Treat yourself right and head on over to patreon.com slash Craig and friends. Look at the reward tiers, see which one jumps out at you that you desire the most, and then just go for it. Grab life by the suspenders and pull at patreon.com slash Craig and friends.